Oh yeah, it was check, 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 check. Testing. Microphone. One, two, oh, your voice sounds wonderful. That's right. Working gr- with radio, I've absolutely wanted to do something with radio, but you know, I haven't had the time. I haven't had the time off the road. But we're gonna step right into this one right here, <laughs> Mr. Morris. Um, <laughs> we're gonna start like that. So, um, <clears throat> welcome to the One Life One Chance podcast. I'm your host, Toby Morris. I'm in my kitchen once again. It's been a minute since I did the podcast. I've been traveling. But today I have a very good friend of mine. I know this guy for many, many, many years when he first got to New York. Uh, welcome to the podcast, Mr. Derek Green. Hello, hello. Thank you for having me. And awesome. Be, and before, you know, <laughs> we'll get to when you worked the door at, my, at Beauty Bar and right. protected my wife and everybody that worked mm-hmm. there. But um, on this podcast, I'd like to take you back to the roots before we got to where you are now. Okay. Um, I'm almost positive you were born in Ohio. Is that correct? That is correct, sir. I was born in Cleveland, Ohio. Um, and what was it like growing up in, in Ohio? It was fantastic, actually. I, I just talked with an alumni from my school. He graduated in the class of 56 or something like that. Fuck. It was like a, a person I know who's like a vegan advocate's father who's like in his 80s or so. So he graduated probably even earlier. But... um. It was insane. It was really, really incredible childhood growing up. I grew up in the suburbs of Cleveland in a place called Shaker Heights. Okay. And um, what was really unique about Shaker Heights is that it was designed by these two guys called the Van Swearinger Brothers. Okay. And they moved their trying, they bought the land from the Shakers. And this was a religious sect that um, were kind of like the Amish, but they weren't having sex. And okay. so they kind of like died off. Because they weren't having sex. (laughs) (laughs) And so then they ended up buying the land and they wanted to create like an entire community that was really for people to go from the suburbs to downtown, but a nice area with really good architecture, like fantastic architects designing all the houses, everything really, really nice. Great school systems, people paying pretty decent taxes uh, for living in that area. And, um, And they created this this Shaker Heights area um, from this idea. Um, And it was really ahead of its time. They really started to draw in a lot of people who were medium class, middle class, uh, black, Jewish, Asian. And so this was something completely different uh, in the U.S. that was happening. Um, And it really grew up that way as far as, you know, the schools being one of the best in the United States public schools. Diverse group of kids and stuff. Completely diverse. um, People from all walks of life, you know, but upper middle class. It was like really well protected, you know, police everywhere. The presence as far as feeling secure, you know, tons of block parties, everybody knowing their neighbors. You safe know, neighborhoods, completely safe. Um, we it's had like a, Pleasantville. Yeah, you know it was, it was <laughs> <laughs> in that way. Yeah, absolutely, and then also uh, like we even had a planetarium at our school. Oh, you know, and shit. it was just like insane. You know, it was really, really fantastic. So I was really fortunate that my mother really wanted us to grow up there, and, um, and my mother was a music teacher, and she always thought that school was the most important thing. Yeah. So that's where I grew up there, and and it was it was awesome. I mean, my parents were very open minded. They were uh, very religious, so they were different from the other parents. I was going to ask you that. Well, yeah, they they my father coming from the south, and my mother was born in the north, and uh, you know it was crazy times because my father. Um, he grew up in a time when it was like white bathrooms, black bathrooms, you know, wow. white, white in the South. Yeah. It's a completely different world. But he was the nicest person, you know, you could ever meet. You know, he wasn't bitter about anybody. He liked white people. And so yeah. he, <laughs> he wasn't just like, oh, damn whitey, you know, like he wasn't yeah. 
down on Whitey or anything like that. He yeah. was completely uh, open-minded person. His name was Friendly, you know, so. That was his name? Yeah, that was his name. Well, I thought Todd Friend had a crazy name. No, no, no. Friendly. Friendly Green. Wow, yeah, man. Yeah. So you have brothers and sisters? Yes, I have a, a, a brother who's uh, five years older, and I have a sister who's 10 years older, and she's an artist. Were you guys tight growing up? Yeah, really. I mean, despite the age difference, um, it became, you know, we were always a really tight family. And my parents, again, the I just wanted to say, like, the fact that they didn't smoke or drink, you know, they were completely, like, straight-edged their whole lives. You know? Wow. So I never had, there was never alcohol in my house or nobody smoking or anything like that. It was no, no swearing even, you know. They Holy were really... Shit. Not hypocritical, you know, yeah. like a lot of other parents. And I would go over and they'd they just be it. like hammered, you know, it'd be five o'clock. I was like, what's going on with your dad? You know, and he's just like, eh, you know, like you guys, you know, yeah, like stay out of the garage, you know, just like really <laughs> weird temperament of parents. And it was yeah. just really funny, but uh, not funny. I mean, but it was just different, you know, for yeah. me to hang out with other kids like houses and stuff. But um, it was really Fantastic, you know. My parents were really open-minded, and they were really supportive of music, okay. especially my mom being a music teacher. So yeah. it was easy to say, like, "Hey, can we practice in the basement?" You know, mm -hmm. and, and even though she didn't understand that style of, of music. music and everything, but it was just like, "Yeah, sure, you're at home, yeah, you're playing your friends, you know, you're, you're safe, a safe environment, yeah." And uh, it's something that who knows where it can go. So, so. What kind of music did your parents play in the house? Like, what was your first oh. exposure to music? Well, my mom was also the piano player for our church and the choir director. So she sang and played piano. So a lot of it was either classical music or gospel music. Okay. And so uh, I didn't really get into, like, heavy, like, rock stuff until I was, like, 13 or 12 when I started hanging out at friends' houses after school okay and there was one particular drummer who was amazing uh he was playing all these songs from rush and acdc and iron maiden and um he was incredible and so yeah. everybody hung out there mtv was just starting and Shit. so we're just like he had cable it was like oh my god he's got cable tv <laughs> like this is insane they have like movies yeah. and it was just like mind blowing. <laughs> There's like nudity, and it's like really insane. Like, because you, you, that was not happening in your house. Yeah, no, yeah. absolutely not happening in no in, in no yeah, one's course, house. I mean, cable yeah. at that time it was like you know like you had to be a super pimp to have like, mm. and so and especially it was like MTV it was just so new and fresh and it was fascinating. But he was playing all these songs, and I was like, man. It's just so awesome to hear stuff live, you know, yeah. like in the presence of somebody playing it. And it really got me into it. And that kid, he ended up moving away. And I was like, fuck, man. And I was like, I, and I looked him up like okay. years later. And I was like, Matt Johnson. I was like, Matt Johnson. I was like, holy shit. He ended up being like the drummer for Jeff Buckley and playing on the one holy album. Shit. And I was like, the, the one album. Wow. I was, I, that blew my mind. I was like, I knew he would be huge. You that's know? fucking awesome. It was awesome because that's. One of my favorite singers. You never saw him again growing up? And I never saw him after that. I wrote him and he wrote me back like, oh, no way. I can't believe it. And, okay. And uh, I was just, it was just such a, you know, blew my mind. I would love to meet up with him at yeah. some point. But it was, it's insane, you know, because Jeff Buckley is, yeah. you know, he was incredible. Mm -hmm. So that was funny. So that was your exposure. <laughs> so you didn't swear at all, huh? I didn't. I, I mean, my. You didn't leave the house and go, fuck, I'm trying to rebel. Not really. Oh, no, sure. I mean, yeah. I, I, I always heard a lot of people 
using a lot of profanity as much as possible, but it just for me it always made people seem really dumb. I agree, and, and, and especially obsessive use of yeah. you know profanity. I was just like, is it really necessary? You know, is it? Mm-hmm. Are you getting your point across even further? It's usually yeah. not. And uh, I don't have a problem with it. I mean, I swear, of course, nowadays, but I try not to as much as possible yeah. because I don't know. It just I think it, it really it's not. Uh, I don't know. It's just not so enlightening. You know, it's yeah. just really unnecessary most just, of the time. I just saw this Rockham interview where he was talking about how he never swore any of the Eric B. and Rockham records because he knew that his parents are going to be listening to his music <laughs> and he didn't want to let them down by swearing right. because he was raised not to swear. Right. And so he knew if he if he'd made these records, his parents would come see him play and they listen to his music right. without profanity. And I think that's amazing to be able to do that and be like one of the best MCs and not swear. I think that's pretty amazing. That's I pretty mean, awesome. Respect for your parents. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and also for yourself. You just, I don't know. I didn't want to walk around looking like the typical idiot you know and yeah a lot of people draw stereotypes from that as well they're like oh you're black he's definitely going to be swearing he's definitely going to be kicking you know like serious uh like slang and everything yeah. and i was just like you know i'm not going to be the stereotype that you know you're expecting me to be i think that was a lot of the big reason of getting into hardcore music because people were like ah oh, you know why why are you listening to that you know this style of music like you're black you know, it's just like you're supposed to be like you know that, right? And it's just I was getting, you know, a lot. Were you into hip hop at all? Absolutely, but mm-hmm. that's what I thought. I was like, why can't I be into both? both? <laughs> I'm into punk and hip. Yeah, I was into right. both too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was and it was a great time for hip hop. You know, you know, and so it was impossible not to be in. It was so rebellious. You know, just, I, yeah, and I always felt they were so similar in so many ways. And, yeah, and, you know, the rebelliousness of it. Yeah, exactly, and that's ex- exactly where my head was at. So. For me, I was just like, you know what, I, I'm just gonna continue on with, you know, what I like and and, and forget everybody else. You know, it was just really about what was appealing to me at the time. You know, yeah, I was really so, stoked on it. So, were you skateboarding too back then? Oh yeah, God, every day. I mean, <laughs> yeah. it was literally like every day, and and being made fun of too. It wasn't popular back then. then skateboarding was not, not popular at all. They're like, what the hell are you doing? It's yeah, like, they're like, why don't you get a car? You know, why don't you drive? What's mm-hmm. wrong with you? It's like, oh wow. It's like, all right, well, but I did that every day with friends. I mean, I didn't. I honestly, I didn't have a girlfriend until much later in life, like in my twenties. Wow. Or even like kiss a girl, even have sex until I was like yeah. twenty. Well I waited till I was seven I mean I was obsessed with skateboarding throughout high school and I got made fun of too. I didn't lose my virginity until I was seventeen. Right. My first love. Oh. But they're like, yo, they're like, yo, we're gonna Toby's gonna take a skateboard to the prom. Toby's gonna marry a skateboard. Toby's oh gay. God. All this shit. Wow. So all I want to do is skate every day. <laughs> right. I yeah. can fuck about girls, man. Right. I just want to skate. Yeah, I I was actually this the exact same way. I did give a fuck about girls, but I just wasn't getting any. <laughs> Which is quite all right. You know, I was like, you know what? It was it wasn't the end of the world for me. It was yeah. always just like there's so many other things. I mean, so much fun. You know, I had mm-hmm. friends who were girls who hung out in the scene and uh just hanging out with friends in general and and, and skating, going to shows. That's all I did all yeah. all day long, you know, and all night long shows, skate yeah. shows, skate. What, what two things? So, what was your first show you went to? Like your first live show? Um, it was. I, I'm almost certain it was Chromax, but I want to say Bad Brains Eye Against Eye Tour, eighty nine. Yeah, and it, and, and actually, it probably was Chromax because that was. Age of Coral tour, yeah, eighty six or eighty seven, yeah, yeah, and so that was definitely, yeah, that was. How'd first. you end up? How'd you end up at the Chromax show? Uh, this friend of mine, 
from my neighborhood. He was really into. Uh, he was a little bit older than I was, and he was a skater, and he was a pretty good skater, and he loved like heavy music, and he was like, "Oh, I got to take you to the show. You got to check it out. This band is insane," you know. And I was like, <laughs> "I was like, all right, I'm still friends with this kid, kid, this guy," and uh, I, it was just insane. It was like some busted up building, like old church or whatever. They have shows and just like. Watching the pit, you know, from the start of the music, like it blew my mind. I'd never yeah. seen anything like that. And there was people jumping all over the stage and all over the place, and they were so fierce on stage. Mm-hmm. I was like, it was Holy scary sh-. back then, man. Totally scary. So I was intimidating. Terrified. Yeah, I was all like, shaved down. Shaved yeah. down, completely going off. And, and there was a mix of people from all around the city at the shows, you know, not from just one school. It was like yeah. many schools. And so that was cool to see, you know, people I'd never seen before. I was like, oh, shit, like, they're just like me, but on the other side of the tracks, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and it was cool, you know, they had books at the end of the show. I was like, that's weird, you know, they have books you can buy. And was, was it like, Krishna books? Yeah. And I was like, I'm getting one. I was like, I'm getting one of these. And I was like, I think I even had John sign my uh, jean vest I had. It had like Sick. a painted, like, exploited skull on the back. <laughs> It was, it was so it was awesome like it really changed my 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 whole world you know i was like you know what i want to do music like this like i want to make people move like that mm. and uh how old and were you i was uh 15 or 14 were your parents worried about where you were going that night or the show no. they, they, tr- really they, trust they really trusted, they trusted me you. a lot like my brother sister and i they weren't really like on top of us with that because i didn't drink i didn't smoke did you, you know? did you get good grades too they were okay. They weren't the best. Like in certain <laughs> topics, they were better than others. Of course, but, um, I can't say they were horrible, but they weren't. They could be much better. Did you, know? you like school? I did. You know, I just it was constricting at times, but I I really had a lot of questions, and a lot of times teachers were like, okay, we got to move on, got to move on, you know. But <laughs> and what about this? Yeah, yeah, it's just like, but 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 but. That's but good. I, I, but You're curious. I, yeah, I was extremely curious, but I did. I, I liked a lot of subjects, you know, history and. Um, Literature, you know, I was really into. Yeah. So uh, those things are great. I mean, I I loved it. What about sports? Yeah, I was I was really kind of down on sports at one point, but once I got to high school, or actually, there were a lot of friends that were doing baseball and stuff like that, little league. So I really got into that. My brother played a, a lot of sports, so I was like, you know what, I, I can do this and. And I really got into like wrestling, track and field, baseball, football. Um, you know, I was really, I loved it. You know, I love yeah. sports. And the, and the best thing about it at a young age, it wasn't, there weren't that many people going to shows and stuff that I was like, ah, these jocks, you know, like a lot of times <laughs> they have like the segregation in high schools in the US. It's like the jocks are the here. The nerds. Right. Sh- yeah. And, and I hated all that. You know, I was like, I don't, that's not me. You know, it's like, it's definitely, I like sports and I like going to shows. You know, and and and, and, and I like so, learning. Yeah, and I love learning. <laughs> and, and the best thing about sports was definitely the discipline that I learned at a really young age. Yeah, that a lot of people didn't have uh, put in front of them. You know, so it was like I had to wake up at like five thirty in the morning, get ready to go to work out, then go to school, then after school do the training for wrestling after school. So it was like Damn. really like every day, Regimented, you know, a yeah. schedule. Mm-hmm. And and working with the team of people, you know, people supporting you, like pushing you really positive, like you can do this, you can, you know, like pushing your body further than you could possibly imagine, you know, yeah. like getting your mind in tune with like, forget about the pain, forget about this, just think about the end goal of where you're going. Yeah. And this was something that was so essential to, I think, key 
to to like survival of growing up and and staying strong and knowing you know the discipline that I had and and how far I could really push myself. Yeah. Because there were times where you know passing out, kids are like, "No water, no water." You know, it's like <laughs> you ever see that movie Vision Quest? Yeah, yeah. You yeah. know, it's like, oh my god, I was like, that was like the theme. I was like, yes, Vision Quest. You know, like let's do this, man. Like, you know, and it's really hyped up and 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 just pushing yourself beyond the limits, and that's what I really learned from sports. You know, like yeah, a lot of kids they're like. The coaches kept saying, like, those kids out there, they don't have what you have. You have a heart, heart, you know, heart and soul. Those kids have no heart. Have no, you know, I was just Damn. like, wow. I was like, oh, he's like, yeah. He's like, one thing, they give up, they give up, they give up. And it's just like, wow, wow, all right, all right. Holy shit. Yeah, they were pretty intense. It's intense. Yeah. But, I mean, it really rang true in my head. Like, the, I just felt myself going further than I possibly could, you know. Yeah. And even then, I was just, like, going through a lot of transitions, like, not eating meat. Like, I started at 14, 15 when I started going to shows. Because of that Krishna book, yeah. you think? Yeah. Wow. It was the, the Gita. Thank you, John Joseph. Yes, thank you. I mean, it really, that... So you read the book at 15? I read it, I read it, and then there was, like, other things that just kept popping up after that, you know? Like, we had to read The Jungle by Upton Sinclair, like, in school, and that was about the meatpacking industry in the 50s. And, Holy shit. And, uh, and, and all this other stuff, it was, like... Diet for a New America, like That's different a great books. Book, yeah. And yeah. I was like, you know what? I don't believe it. I was like, I'm going to see if it's actually true. I'm going to stop eating meat. And I just to prove, like, uh, this is, I don't know if this is really going to make a difference, but because everyone's like, well, just try it. See, yeah. you know, and I, and I did that. And, and that was I, like 85. Yeah. And I was like really sick for like a month, a little Damn. bit. I was like really craving meat. Like I was going through like withdrawal. Wow. And I and I read about it. Like you, you can go through that. You yeah, know? and uh, and and it was definitely happening. So after that, it got much better. And um, she stayed that. Since I just then. stayed since then. You know, I was just like, I'm not going back. I I actually started to feel a difference. What did your parents think about that diet change at 15? They thought it was bizarre. You know, because there weren't kids doing that at all. Yeah, nobody I knew except for kids I knew that played in bands. Exactly, you know that were either from New York. A lot of them from yeah. New York, and so uh, did your parents they, think Krishna was weird? They were, or anything? No, they they didn't think it was weird or anything. They just ended up making separate meals for me. You know, they were really open minded towards so it. So cool, man. Yeah, I was really fortunate with that because they weren't. They I wasn't being extreme in so many ways as far as uh, you know. I I don't know. I. They could understand, and my uncle... You were militant about it. Crazy. Right. And my uncle was actually very particular about his food. He would come over like, no, 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 I have my own food. You know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, and now I understand why. You know, he was completely, you know, vegan. And wow. Completely had everything, you know, set up that he wanted to eat. And he'd always go to these health food stores that were, like, That's hard amazing. to find. And, but it was my mother's brother, you know, like, her only brother. So, yeah. And... He was, you know, that had a little bit of an influence too, but now I understand, you know, where he's coming from. Totally. Eating like processed food, he was like not eating that at all. Back wow. then, you know, he was like, no, no. So you go to your first show, you think it's, so that must be 85. Yeah. You get inspired by Cro-Mags. Completely. Change your fucking diet. Oh, yeah. Change my diet. Start, saw Bad Brains like probably a week later or something. Damn. It was that, like that, really. That, that's the quick, that's the. Yeah. And then I was like, I'm going dreads. I'm skating. I was just like. Did I, you start growing dreads then? Absolutely, yeah. I was Holy like, shit. but then it was like it wasn't that cool then. Like people were just like, it's, especially black people are like, "What is wrong with you?" They're like, "Well, you need to comb your hair." 
They're like, oh my God. Like every joke you can imagine. This dude's and rapper's dreads. Like, he skateboards. Yeah. Like rock and roll. Like, what the hell? And it's like, where the hell is he coming from? So boy, you need to comb your... It was like the ridicule of every day at school. Like the process of growing out dreads. Dude, especially back then. Oh, especially back then. skateboarding. Ain't going to punk. Ain't not eating meat. I was just like, what are you trying to tell me? It's like, some of you have a jerry curl. And you're trying to tell me that... <laughs> My hair is messed up. Holy shit. Did people fuck with you in school at all? <laughs> oh, yeah. But you were always a big kid? I was big, but I wasn't fighting anybody. You know, they. I was just like, I just wasn't into like getting in a confrontation like that at all at that time. Was it during <laughs> like, high school mostly? It was people? in high school mostly. And it was like, I mean, that was rough. I mean, I was like, what the hell? I was like, damn, these are dreadlocks. Are dread, dread what? <laughs> Yeah, look, look at Bob Marley, dude. And they're like, they're like, it looks dreadful, is what it looks like. It looks horrible. <laughs> it's like, boy, you need to comb your hair. And it was like, ridiculous. was it mostly black people fucking with you? Yes. <laughs> wow. Yeah, yeah. It was this. I was like, what is going on? So I, you know, it was really like a confusing, weird time. Um, and but then I was just really looking forward to getting out of high school. You know, mm-hmm. I was just like, okay, I can't wait to to be able to just play music. So when did that start? So when did, did you play an instrument? Like for your first musical experience, what, did you play an instrument or just wanted to be yeah. a singer? Uh, no, in school we had to actually have music class, which okay. is mandatory. Is it and, they, and, and so you had to, you could pick instruments each time. Like that day you're going to be xylophone, the next uh-huh. day you're going to be triangle or whatever. And, and so I, the first instrument I started, I was like, I want to play, oh, <laughs> security. It's the podcast. Security. Still the podcast mascot. <laughs> Um, God, Stella's amazing. So uh, about trombone, and then I moved damn. on. Yeah, which was a weird instrument, and then trumpet because I was really getting into jazz. It's awesome, and so I, I loved it. And uh, but vocals came much later. You know, it's just because I was a roadie for a band. What band? This band called Outface. Okay. And so then I knew all the songs. I was there, and the singer was like, "I don't want to do this anymore," and they needed a singer. And I was like, "You know what? I can do this. You know, I'm gonna try this. You know, yeah. I've, ne- I've never." I've watched all the shows. I love the style of music. I know all the songs, and they're like, "Yeah, you should, you should definitely." And that was Charlie's in there too. Yes, Charlie was. He was a founding member. Wow, Charlie from Sid. What up, Charlie? Yeah, what's up, Chuck Moose? <laughs> um, so they asked you to sing in the band. Yeah, and I was. Like, How old were you then? Uh, fifteen. Fuck, everything's yeah. happening so fast for you at that, yeah, that age. Yeah, it was everything happening. Was, you haven't even been with a girl yet. I haven't even been with a girl. I haven't even to... kissed a girl yet. You know? Wow. I was just like, what? This is going to be insane. And it was really, uh, it was awesome because a lot, I got a lot of really positive criticism. You know, I'd have mm-hmm. my back turned to the audience and doing the whole <laughs> show. And they're like, that was awesome. Just turn around next time. It's going to be great. <laughs> just know? face the crowd. Yeah, just face the crowd, man. It's going to be awesome. You know, but I had like really, really positive friends, you know, that were always like supportive and that helped tremendously. Did your parents come see you play? Uh, At that outface stage, no, (laughs) not yet. Did they know what you were up to? Did did they know what kind of genre of music you were playing? Yeah, because they were hearing it like coming out of the basement. Okay. Okay, like crazy. So that was probably why they didn't come. I'm sure your relatives too, like, what is, like, what are you listening to? I mean, people are just like, they have no clue. But you still like jazz, so like hip hop. Yeah, yeah. I loved, I mean, I loved all that. I mean, yeah. I mean, it was just such a, I mean, that's what, it was such, you know, really special to grow up at that time, you know, because things were happening, like amazing things were happening musically, Mm -hmm. you know, that I could really relate to, especially hip hop. 
Um, the 90s shit was just oh, amazing, man. it was man. off the hook. Even Tribe with the jazz influence oh, stuff. It was, that's, I mean, that. that was like really, Native a tongues. lot of that really was coming. It just made more sense. I was getting into jazz and everything like yeah. that. Um, but there, yeah, so it's with Charlie and we were doing all these shows. And what we did in order for everyone to really know our band was open up for a lot of different bands. It came through. That came through. And that became the connection with like New York hardcore bands coming through and playing and, and us opening up for them yeah. and doing shows in the area. So we would harass the promoter, you know, like constantly giving tapes and, you know, come on, yeah. let us open, open. You know, you need a local act. We can bring people and just really talking to them. Like, we're going to hand out flyers. We're going to do all the legwork for you. Way you know? before the internet. Right. And they were like, Okay, sure. And that's how we really push to open for all these bands and be in the scene, being seen, where people are like, hey, oh, yeah, that dude plays in that band, you know? Yeah. And because a lot of times kids ask me, like, hey, how do how do I get my band known? I'm like, hang out. Like, go be seen. Probably not online. Seen. Not online. Face-to-face. Like, at the show. Yeah, at the show. I mean, it's the only way that people are going to really... That's what you had to do back yeah, then. Yeah, you had to do it. Had to be out in the mix. Right. And I still think you have to do that yeah. now, you know? Yeah. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, that was great. So that's, I met like one of the great bands that we were friends with that still friends with was Murphy's Law. Yeah. And it was right. I mean, there was still like, man, I mean, everybody like, God, it's so sad, you know, like thinking now it's just like, okay, Todd, he was one of the first connects that I had with Murphy's Law and always stayed in touch with him. And, uh, yeah. And Chuck, 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 yeah. And, uh, Doug Beans was in it. Yeah, like man, it was like the old school lineup. What was the first New York Harker band that came to town? Ta- oh, Chromax, that was it. Well, Chromax, and then the 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 one group that it really became friends with was definitely like Youth of Today. Okay, you know, those that was like the the real like strong connection there. And Were like, you a straight edge kid back then? Yeah, yeah, completely. You know, I, I I mean, I didn't drink or smoke or anything. Yeah, and so it was. It must have been cool to like to find like growing up in your house and the same thing like you find this music and then there's other bands with the same lifestyle that you already live in like they're already straight edge bands you know what I mean? oh yeah like, I mean it was very inspiring you know it was just like and also they were traveling you know they were doing what they loved to do and, and they were good at it you know the energy yeah. level was just like above and beyond I'd never seen any shows like that today back then is oh fucking... my god it was just like goosebumps you know like yeah. it was really 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 intense and I love the fact that not everybody liked them there were people like oh drinkers or whatever like fuck that bad you know and it was just like whatever you know that yeah. it made it even more hard like punk rock to me I was like yeah you know there's people that are you know, find some unrest and make some unsettling. And, mm-hmm. and so this was cool for me, you know, and it, and it would, and those guys ended up being like really good friends, you know, yeah. and I learned a lot from them, especially about uh, being a vegan and, and not eating meat and, and learning, you know, more and more about the whole animals and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, because for me, it was like, I didn't really understand the whole ramifications of the planet that it was causing back then. You know, yeah. I, I was doing it, just for the fact that I love animals and I didn't want to eat them. I didn't yeah. want to see them suffer. And uh, and it was just, and also for health reasons, I was just like, wow, I feel fantastic. You know, it's mm-hmm. like better than ever. And also looking at people as I was growing up, you know, they were just having horrible uh, health problems because of what they were eating. Yeah. You Did know? you inspire anybody in your family to, to be vegetarian at all back then? Or um, maybe now? My parents, they stopped eating a lot of like pork and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And um, my brother was actually inspired like lately you know i I was like oh he's 
traveling up and down uh, the West Coast, and he came to L.A., and I was like, hey, I got to take you to this spot. You know, it's called Crossroads. Crossroads. <laughs> and I took him there, and he was like, I've been here, like, already, like, oh, three or four shit. times. Like, bought the cookbook. We do this, like, once, you know, like, we do four days vegan at home. You know, I was like, that's amazing, you know, Damn. like, all on his own, you know. Yeah. And trying to get his family, like, inspired and stuff. And it's incredible how... It's reaching out to so many different people. Totally, nowadays. man. Yeah. Things are changed. Like, oh, yeah. A lot of things the bands were singing about 25, 30 years ago is all actually happening now. Yeah. Everything they, just... they call it, they call it was going to happen for the future, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so, all right. So you're still in school, though, and you're loving this music, and now mm-hmm. you're in Outface. Are you in Outface while you're in high school? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So we're trying to do shows, school. And just really excited about graduating. I was like, and what was your what was your goals? What was your focus? Like, what did you want to do? Uh, what was your major? Well, my my major goal was just like get the fuck out. Yeah, get out and, and start <laughs> playing on the road, like touring. Okay. And like I didn't, my graduation I didn't go to because we were opening up for Fugazi. Oh wow! Yeah, I was like I can't not. <laughs> I was like graduation. Well, I already graduated, so. Uh, wow. I was like I I'm gonna remember opening up Fugazi a lot more. I, That's amazing. Yeah. You go there because of that. Holy crap! Yeah, I was like got my diploma at home, like. Mailed to me. <laughs> I was like, "That's fine. <laughs> it's all right. We play for Gazi. We're good." Yeah, yeah. So I right, so you graduate, and then Outface is the band. So yeah, so Outface. I'm like, all right, I'm gonna I'm gonna start really working on this. Charlie and I, and uh, Mark um, Kanupka and Frank Kavanaugh, and so we start doing a lot more shows. Uh, a lot of shows in like Buffalo and Erie. That whole With scene. zero tolerance. Yes, zero tolerance. Yeah, yeah. All those dudes. Like we did million shows there. And um, it was fantastic, like that whole scene in that area. Yeah. And then uh, Charlie and I decided that we, I mean, actually somehow connected with Mark Nickel. Okay. Uh, from Mad Mad. Mad, yeah. And uh, he was. I never heard anybody call him by his first and last name. I know Mark <laughs> Mad. I'm like, for a second, I'm like, who the fuck is Mark You're Nickel? Like Mark Nick. Okay, Mark Mad. <laughs> what he's known for now, but back then, is we, we connected with Mr. Nickel back yeah. then, and he knew nothing about the. The old country, and so uh, <laughs> I'd never been on an airplane. I was oh, like, shit. I was like, graduate high school. I was just like, wow. He was like, going yeah, to Europe. He's like, yeah, so you come to Europe, and um, I will make sure that everything is happening. It will it will work out very well. <laughs> you know, it's going to be great. And I was like, oh, here we go, and flew on like Pakistani air. Oh, like I was shit. just like, like, I had no idea what was going on. I was just like, what is going on? This is insane. Was it headlining shows? Was it tour? It. In a weird no, actually, we opened up for Sure Terror. Perfect. Yeah, great first tour. It was like it was amazing. I mean, it was, and we had our own shows off of that, and it was the most unbelievable experience. What year would that be? That was in ninety four, ninety five. Okay, around then. Yeah, that's my band just started. Okay, cool. Okay, that was yeah, yeah. Okay, around then, and. it was incredible. You know, I was just like, oh my God, Europe is amazing. People are incredible. Shows are amazing. And uh, came back, and then Charlie and I were like, we got to, we got to move. We got to, let's move to New York. Let's try get to, in the mix. you know, get a big mix, a bigger mix. Yeah. And, uh, and keep Outface going through, out of New York? No. Okay. We were just like, it's run its course. We had done as much as we possibly could in Cleveland, and, and the other guys weren't keen on moving. So mm. we moved. You know, did you know anybody there? Uh, yeah. So I already had the connection with Todd. Todd Youth. Todd Youth. Um, 
my sister had already been living there for so long, so okay. I, I was friend. I I knew people that she knew, um, and I had a few other friends that were living there from Cleveland, actually. So I ended up moving to East Village. I lived on uh, was it Seventh Street between A and B. So that was eighty. That was ninety five. Yeah, yeah, that was ninety five. Were you working at all before that? Or just doing music. I was. Well, the first job that I had, I worked at an art gallery, and so because okay. through my sister, and then and also her friend of hers who was a photographer, really into skating, really into hardcore, really into hip hop. Uh, he was a, he was like, hey, my friend Russell, he's he's got a spot at Fat Farm. He's like, I was like, really? I was like, what's I was like, what's Fat Farm? And then my friends I already had in New York, they were just like, oh shit, that's hilarious! You're gonna work at Fat Farm. And uh, he was like, no, he's, he's, it's a cool job. He's like, it's actually pretty easy. You'll be assistant manager. You'll have a salary. It'll be hooked up. And I was like, no way. And I was like, I never worked in a clothing store in my entire life. And, and for the pe- for listen- people listening, right. it was on Prince Street in Soho in like kind of a rich area. And I worked across the street from you <laughs> at Nana Shoes. <laughs> and I sold shoes for four years at yes. that spot before H2O, leading up to H2O. I was and I, for and I was while working the- there. And I was there, like when you're designing the HTO, like symbol and emblem yes. and everything. Like, Holy shit! Yeah. Like, we made our first stickers and yes, shit. Yes. So you worked across the street. We were. Yeah. yeah that's fucking. Cra- How many years you worked there for? Two years. But then I moved to the office, like. Um, okay. Because I was like, ah, this is really. Was Russell Simmons vegan back then? No. Okay. He was living a different lifestyle. Oh yeah, it was like, wild yeah, stuff was, back then. Yeah, yeah he, it was like I mean. They made books about it for sure and docs. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he was completely losing the height of everything. Different person, you know. And I think probably in the not not in the best way. Yeah. You know, it was just like you know, he was just going through a lot of different craziness. Like hip hop rock star. He was just yeah, in the middle yeah, of yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Fat Farm was huge. Hip hop I mean I mean, I just remember especially hip hop was just like going off then. I mean, it was just like Biggie album came out. Yeah. You know, Wu Tang. Yep. You know, everything. Nas. Nas. Oh, I mean, we every day we're playing that, playing that every day at That's our right. store, I, too. I, I yeah, go on. Yeah. <laughs> right. Everybody's playing the same shit on the street. Like. Yeah, yeah. And so then I remember I'd always throw in like Ultra Magnetic MCs. are like, yo, what the fuck? Who put this in? Some like, old hip hop shit. <laughs> and I was like, yo, I love, I was like, I love Cool Keith. And they were just like, Cool Keith. They just couldn't. Like some people in the store, are like I, I, I can't, I don't understand. He's too crazy for me. Mm-hmm. But um, did you have long dreads then too? Yeah, I was. By then they were really long, and I was still going to a lot of shows. So people were more accepting, definitely. Like as I got older, yeah. and working at Fat Farm, people were mad cool, especially in New York. Yeah, yeah, yeah especially yeah. in New York, they're like, "Oh, you crazy man? You crazy? You going to them shows? You going to them shows, right? <laughs> yeah, you doing flips and shit?" <laughs> it's just like, no. <laughs> You in the mosh pit? Yeah, like, you, in, you in the pit, right? They call it the pit. Oh my god, man! <laughs> yeah, it was a trip. And but there was so there was no music for a couple years. No, I was doing so. Charlie and I, we had this band. We were like, okay, let's put something together. And so we had a name it was called Overfiend. Okay. And so we had Sammy was playing drums. Okay. Eric. Who used to play an Orange Nine Millimeter? He's a tattoo artist. You remember Eric? He's my bass player, dude. Eric Rice. Yeah, from my first album. Yeah. He's my first. my first bass player. Right, Smokey from Zero Tolerance. Yes. Holy shit. Okay. Smokey. <laughs> yeah, dude, he's my bass player. Yeah. yeah. He was like, yeah, I'm okay. gonna play bass for like a minute, and then All he was right. like, okay, I'm, I'm not doing it. And then we got uh, Sarah Cox, and she. We called her mother Sarah because she was from the old school, like New York, and she knew everybody from like she was older than us, like Charlie and I, and yeah. she and she knew John, 
And she was there when John got stabbed. Like that whole, I don't know if you know that whole story when uh, he was in front of like, God, what was the place? It's called Brownies. It was back in the I day. I didn't do that. Yeah. Like, there was a fight broke out. There was a fight broke out. right? John in the place. Joseph? John Joseph, oh, right sh- when they used to, to do like Bad Brains used to rehearse there. Okay. And there was Brownies. It changed to Brownies when I lived there. Yeah. It was a completely different spot. But Sarah used to hang out there with okay. like her friends. She was like, yeah, I was there. And he Fucking- was... You know, fighting with this guy, like trying to protect these girls, like I don't know, some guys. Damn. And uh, she was like, it was crazy. She was also there when her brother like saved Harley from drowning because he was like a Holy little kid. Shit. Like she, Old she was school girl. Yeah, she, she, she well, went to school with it, all yeah. those dudes and BC yeah. boys, and she hung out. Like she was there, like the scene. So she was playing bass, and and she, I got referred to her from John. He was okay. like, Yo, Sarah's mad cool. You should, yeah. You know, you should definitely do something with her. Which was a great choice. You yeah, know? yeah, I yeah. mean, I love her family and everything. Her dad was like a psychiatrist for Aerosmith and, and all these different bands. And, and her family are amazing families. So uh, we had this band, Overfiend, and we started doing some shows. We played like opening up certain bands. And uh, it didn't last long because Charlie started working with Siv. Okay. And so then. He left to do that, and Sammy left. I was like, you motherfuckers. I was like, what are you doing? I was like, no, what am I going to do? And so then Sarah and I, we had a band, and it was called Alpha Jerk. Okay. And so then I was like, you know what? I'm going to play guitar. I started. I picked up guitar, and I was like, I'm going to start writing these songs. we got to do something, you know? And I was like, really, like... Did you play guitar before? No. Okay. <laughs> I was just like, I'm going to... I know, I know, like, certain things that I want to write or, yeah, or yeah, ideas, yeah. and I was like, I just... Get a four track and just do yeah. this. So I started doing that, working with that, working with Sarah, finding people to play with. Still working at Fat Farm. Still working at Fat Farm. Start working at uh, No Tell Motel. Oh yeah, like I remember a, that. That place was shady. Like a lot of fights. Like different New York back then. Too, crazy, man. crazy, crazy shit going on. Um, so I had I, I worked two jobs, and so it was like day. You know, Fat Farm, completely yeah. different world. Then at night, like everyone wasted. You know, working the door at No Tell Motel. And then Z Bar too. Z Bar, I worked Beauty Bar. Um, yeah, move my, so my wife worked. My wife worked at Beauty Bar, and you were the doorman there. Yeah. I remember that because it was Deb Parker who was the first person that gave me the job, and she was the own proprietor of all those yeah, places. Yeah, Deb Parker. Yeah, she opened yeah. the first Beauty Bar. Yeah, and then also I heard the story from Antonio on the podcast because he hadn't <laughs> seen you like since twenty years. But yes. somebody somebody called you with the N word at, at your job, and you snuffed somebody. Like, yeah, he the guy him was in the like, face. Yeah, he was really. And then the Antonio was, had to fire you because. Yeah, he wasn't. Well, he was, well, let me tell my side. Let's was, hear the story. I want to hear Because Antonio was was there. <laughs> he just started managing okay. Z Bar, and I had already been there for a while. And the place was, it was really the tail end of places like in that village, in the East Village. I was yeah, like, it was wild. Like, yeah, and I had already worked at a note. Uh, this place called Lakeside Lounge, which is much yeah. mellower crowd. Like old school dudes, like yeah. Iggy Papa Roland and the Ramones, Didi Ramon hang out there, like Abel Ferreira, like all these crazy like directors and people from the village because cool. the owners were like old school guys. But Z Bar was like the end of the end. There was like a lot of Hell's Angels rolling mm. in, and just like it was just like a, a bad vibe. Some of our, fr- our friends would go there too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, those guys, everybody else was like, chill. You know, DMS dudes were always mad respectful. I was like, yeah. yo, guys, like, please, chill, chill the yeah. fuck out. And then everybody was mad cool. Like, yeah, I never true. had 
any beef with any of them. Like, no, no. Everybody was super yeah, respectful. Yeah. And uh, and and they were wild, you know. For sure. For <laughs> I was sure. just like, wow. I was just like, oh man. But anyway, this it was like when it was kind of being gentrified. I guess these yeah. dudes like rolling in, like, yo, we coming in. I was like, no, you're not. You're fucking drunk. And Antonio was there, and he was a little bit liquored up. Yeah. And he was like in the mix. I was like, Antonio, back up, man. I'm, he was I'm handling manager? this. Yeah. And I was like, I'm handling this. And he was like, no, nah, what's going on? And the, the dude was like, said something, I guess. I don't yep. know, maybe the N word. And I just clocked him. And then Antonio was in the middle of all this, and he got hit. Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Antonio. <laughs> and I was like, oh, shit. And then, and then it was just like, ah, Melee, Antonio, kind of melee man. for a second. Yeah. yeah, and then he was like, oh, how did that happen? He's like, you're fired. Did he have like, a bat or something, too? Come with a bat? I don't know. Maybe later. I, don't, I mean, after that, he and was he had like, to fire that yeah, he was, I was like, all right. I was like, whatever, man, whatever. It's <laughs> like, I'm out of here. <laughs> you know, I'm like, I don't need you or your place. We're going back to Fat people, Farm. People, Fat Farm, they love me there. <laughs> now I got fired from Fat Farm, too. You did? I did. Um, because I discovered that when I moved to the office, it was such an easy job. And I worked with really cool people there. And uh, one guy, actually, uh, he he was like the designer of Zoo York. Like cool. skate. And so it was really cool. But then there were a few newer people that started working there, and I was doing helping them with the accounting, uh, accounting, and I noticed that they were buying like bed sets and shit with the company card and like, oh, all this stuff. And I was man. like, I was like, wow, you can get a lot of benefits from the company. And they're like, what are you talking about? You know? And I was like, nothing. I just thought, you know, that's kind of cool. <laughs> oh, and then, then later on, they were like, okay, you're fired. I was like, oh, okay. why are you fired? Because yeah, you, you sold were something or. Yeah, they. I mean, they got fired because they were doing illegal shit with the company credit card. And you got fired because you. Because I found that out. Wow. From them. Holy. And shit. so then I was like, all right, you know. But I, I had been working there for like two years or more, and I never had a day off. So I had all the like benefit. Like, I got you know they gave me a bonus like a leaving and plus unemployment like, probably right. So that was like, oh man, that was you know really still playing music still. Was that ninety six maybe? Yeah, that was 96, 96, 97. And uh, yeah, so it was just like really struggling, like trying to, to hustle, to play shows. And, yeah. And just still being in that scene of a lot of people uh, with bands and everything and going to shows and still and sticking members with moving from each band yeah, and all that shit. Yeah, totally. But um, yeah, and that's how I met like Mike Gitter. Okay. Um, and so I'm like here last night, actually. He's an A&R person. Mm-hmm. He just started working at Roadrunner Records. Okay. And he was, he had already seen my band Outface play. Yep. So everything kind of leads to each other, you know? Like, if I hadn't have done those years with Outface and everything, yeah. then it wouldn't have led me to where I'm at now. Yeah. And so Gitter had seen it, and he was like, oh, man, you know, this band Sepultura looking for a singer. Did you know what Sepultura was? Yeah, I, I knew. I wasn't, like, fanatical. Yeah. I was like, I had, like, a few t- I had a few tapes. Arise I was like, oh, or some yeah, shit. Yeah, I had Arise. From I had Mains. Yeah. And I was like, this is awesome, man. It's just... Because I was, I was working at Road Run in the Mail Room. Oh, okay. Me and Todd Friend. So we worked those records, so that's how I knew about those <laughs> ah, bands. Like, okay. Sepultura and all that shit, like, had the cassettes and all that. And I was, yeah, the cassettes. I had the cassette and I was like, oh, this is nice. I got a, like, with a friend, like, on a road trip somewhere. He's like, yo, you should check this out. And I was like, all right. And then, uh, and actually, that guy's name is Max that introduced me to it. Really? <laughs> oh, shit. It's so weird, right? Damn. So then, yeah. So, 
anyway, I was like, you know, I was like, I don't know these guys. I've always played music with people I knew, you know, friends or yeah. whatever. It's kind of weird. And I was like, you know, he was like, no, you should do it. You know, it's like they're looking for somebody with a different vocal. Per- they need somebody different. You know, they can't have the same person. So I, I uh, got the tape, and it was like a, a tape they sent to everybody, like different people, you know, with like no vocals on it and just the music, new music. And they're like, do whatever you want to do on it. You know, like try something, write the lyrics. We just want to hear how you're on your own to do this. Wow. So Gitter was like, you know who else tried out is Davide. Oh, yeah. From Orange and I. Oh, shit. And so I was like, Davide. I was like, no way. He's fucking super talented, incredible bass player. He's really good at guitar. Um, And I was like, he tried out for Sepultura? And he's like, yeah, he did. You should talk to him. So I, I called up Davide, and I was like, hey, how did that go? And he was like, yeah, man, it was great. I went out there. To, they were living in San Diego at the time. I went out there, and I and I did the audition. I knew all the songs because I loved them. And uh, and, he, and he plays guitar, and, yeah. and he sang, and he did all that stuff. And he's like, yeah. And they loved it, and they were like, yeah, all right. So you want to be a part of this? And uh, he was like, nah, no. Why not? He was, like, he was like, it was just too much pressure. Too much. Wow. He was like, I wanted to just see if I could do it, and I wanted to meet those guys, and I and you know, wow. He was like, I want to do studio stuff also. Like, yeah. I want to be a producer and produce, and and I was like, wow. And he's like, but they're really great guys, and and he helped me do my demo. Okay. And so then I sent it to them, and they sent it to a lot of different people, like uh, the singer of Testament, Chuck Billy. He sent one too, and wow. Phil from. Uh, Machine Head, Phil Demel. He oh, yeah. said, I was like, wow, he sent one too? Wow. And uh, and so they're getting it. Jorge from Marauder yep. went to Brazil to do the audition oh, before wow. I did. Holy shit. And they're like, yeah. So long story short, like I sent it to them. They're like, yeah, come down to Brazil and uh, come for two weeks and do an audition. And I was like, so okay. So they fly down? They yeah. Wow. Like a week, like as soon as I got the phone call, you know, from Igor, he was like, yo, can you come down like this weekend i was like holy shit. shit i was like all right putting on my stuff let's go went down there and then they were telling me like yeah there was another dude from new york that came uh he was in this band marauder uh jorge and i was like yeah 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 shit. and i was like no way and it was like he was, he had great vocals he was powerful i don't know why he kept speaking spanish like all the time <laughs> like <laughs> oh wow <laughs> it's just like funny because they were like we speak portuguese but i mean we can oh, understand yeah, spanish yeah, yeah. but you know, like he was cool, but we needed. They were like telling me, like, we want somebody with diversity, you know, so we can mm-hmm. go in the future and do some other stuff, you know, stuff. Mm-hmm. So it was really bad, you know, the audition. It was, it was? Yeah, yeah. They would come out and they would just be like playing, and it just sounded so amazing. I was like, oh my God, you know, like I was like, <laughs> so intimidating. So, yeah, I was like, man, this is so intimidating. These guys have been playing for years together. They sound incredible. I was like, oh. And then they were like, okay, now sing a song. You know, like they just play a new song and then like make up something. And I was like, what? <laughs> it was like really like. That's scary. It was man. scary. And so then I had a talk with the bass player, Paulo. And, uh, and I was like, he was like, hey, man, you got to, this is it. You know, you got to really push 100% everything. You know, this is your chance. And I was like, yeah, you're right. And uh, we got back and they were like, well, maybe we should do like a cover or something. Let's try something, you know, like maybe we could do like. Bad brains, they said, and I was like, I was like, oh shit, yeah, let's do. 
again, that connection, Bad Brains being one of the yeah. first shows. I was like, holy shit. And and then after that, it just really started to flow. What Bad Brains song was, you remember? Yeah, it was uh, G Machine. Machine, and which we ended up doing a cover of, and wow. uh, and so then that like was the connection. Then I came back to New York, and then a month later they're like, "You want to come back and be in the band?" And or they didn't say you want to be in the band, yeah. but like you want to come and record an album. I was like, "Yeah," and so I went back to Brazil, left New York, and never lived in the U.S. For 20 years after I left. Holy shit. Real quick, though. The first time we saw Bad Brains was on the Quickness Tour, and Gene Machine's on that record, right? Yep. Holy shit. Yeah. All right, so so that was it. You fucking am out. I'm out. I was like, I, my girlfriend broke up with me. I was completely like heartbroken. I couldn't come back to like fix anything. I was also really young and just like, ah, shit, what do I do? And It's a great so, opportunity, man. Yeah, and I was like, you know what? Let's just go 100%. So I ended up doing like the whole promo tour that they take you on. This was like when Roadrunner had like money and labels had money. Was it weird moving to Brazil? Well, I didn't move to Brazil yet. Okay. I, I, I was like just working a lot there. And then LA, we recorded some of the album. And it was all over the place, the first album. We're just really trying to keep it together. And it was, I mean, those guys were also afraid because they didn't know what was going to happen either. The you feel a lot of pressure? Like a lot of pressure. Shoes? Like, I, it started to build up as things were going on because they're like, okay, your first show in Brazil is going to be 40,000 people. And Holy it's going to, we're going to bring down Jason Newstead from Metallica, Mike Patton. He's going to be there. We're going to have the Shivanti Indians coming from like the actual Amazon to perform live with you. We're going to have like, oh. it was just like all, it was like, this is insane. There's like, you bring a can of food, you get in free. It was like a big benefit type. Wow. It was intense. A lot of Did pressure. Did you racism? Any backlash racism for being like a black guy singing the separate or nothing like that? Not there in Brazil. Not yet. Okay. In Brazil, no, because I mean, it's like, it's okay, a different culture. vibe. Yeah, 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 yeah. But um, it was, I mean, it was intense. You know who was at that show? It was Mackie. Oh, he was? Yeah. It was randomly, he was playing with this guy, Supla. Okay, I know Supla yes. from New York. Yeah, and Supla is Holy yeah shit. small world, but Mackie was there at the first show, and the show and the shirt I had was a Chromex shirt. Sick. <laughs> And it, was, awesome. it was like holy shit! Like Mac, I can't believe you're here. So your first show was forty thousand people, basically. Yeah, in Brazil. Fuck, yeah. man. And that was that was intense. How, you were so nervous. Yeah, I was like almost shitting my pants, you know. So and it was just it was all a bunch of separatora, old and new songs, right? It was new songs and old songs, you know, especially with special guests like Jason came up and played some old songs. But this is us. your introduction to their their country. Yeah, yeah, like singer. this is the new singer. Here it is. You know, Holy like shit. it was, it was, oh my god! And so at the same time, we're doing like TV shows. You know, they do a lot of that there, and, and then it was like hitting me. I was like, man, these like people really know this band. <laughs> like, it's really this like is a legit the, band. Yeah, yeah, I was like, I mean, people know them internet like all over the world because by then we had already been in Europe. Like one of the first tours we had was with Slayer, and it was like Systems of a Down was opening. Yep. Us, then Slayer. Damn. And Systems of a Down was their first tour, first album. And I actually loved the first album. Yeah, I was yeah, like yeah. excited. I was like, oh, they they're talented. opening. And I was like, oh, and, and it was really horrible the first shows, I gotta Damn. say. I was because it were it was fresh, you know. Yeah. And they and and what really stuck out in my head was like they had to go on every night with people just yelling Slayer, 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 <laughs> like massive arenas. Like yeah. in Europe, I was like, oh. Like how, and they're like, you got makeup on, take it off. You're like people were raw. 
you know, with them. I was like, holy shit. But they got up every night and played. We're just like, fuck you. We're playing. No, no, no. And they fucking blew up too. Oh, yeah. And I got to give them balls for that. I mean, that was like really cool to see that they were like, you know, we got this chance. We're going to do it, you know. No matter what. Yeah. And 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 their show improved, of course. And they're fantastic, you know, to see them now, you know. it's. But I remember that first tour it was just like intense man Dan, did people yell slayer during your set not a, not as much i gotta say i mean because they they were a lot more keen on like metal and they wanted to hear like songs like simple tour songs like classic songs yeah. that existed but um there were i mean i started to see like certain shows like certain people like their finger up or their arms just like crossing the front just like complete i don't know if they were racist i know they were probably i gotten like online type shit which is like interesting and a whole nother topic but uh it was just like you know a completely different scene from the hardcore scene that i was used to yeah you know i had to get used to that as well and so i was like unity community all right right and also growing up in cleveland i ended up hanging out with like the scenes kind of like merged like in the in the 80s like that whole like dri crossover phase when there was like agnostic front had a lot of more like metal elements in their album i was like wow that's Already then, I was like the scene that had already merged, and 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 at least in Cleveland, where it's like a lot of metal kids going yeah, to punk it shows, it was mixed. But there, like the metal, it just always stayed metal, you know. A lot of times, and, I was just and like, also like those kids grew up loving Sepultura, that's their favorite band. They yeah, had, let's see what this guy can do. Yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, Max? it was really like yeah, and I was like shit, you know. A lot to prove, man. A lot to prove, and I knew that it would take time. I knew it wouldn't be the first album. The second. Did you do good that first show? You think you did good the first show? I think I did, did they really like, well. Did they like it? Yeah. I mean, I thought it was really good because the feedback was like, it was such was a good. mix. The crowd was it was good. Um, and I noticed how it got better, you know, like over time. But it was really, I knew that it was going to be challenging. I knew that in order to gain respect, I'd have to really work with the band and tour and uh, and do a bunch of albums with them before it got to any point of where they were at because yeah. they worked so hard to get to where they were. Yeah. And then uh, how many years together were they before that? That's a good question. Twenty years maybe or no, not okay. that long. Because I I mean the group has been together now for like thirty three something years. Wow. So, and I've been in it for twenty one years. So yeah. Fuck. Yeah, it's a long time. Did you ever meet Max during the course of any of this? Never. Ever life? I never have. I have had wow, dreams where I've plan. had, because I, we we played actually with Roy Mayorga. Okay. And he filled in at, at one point with us on a tour we did uh, within Flames. And it was amazing, because I was like, Roy, yes! It's like New York times, because we worked Nausea. in, you know, like certain yeah. clubs and stuff in New York. And... um it was great because he was like, man, I would always defend you like playing with, you know, like those guys. Like they would talk sometimes shit. I was like, why are they talking shit? Like he never talks shit about you guys and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, he's a good guy. And I was like, thanks, Roy. You know, yeah, good looking yeah, yeah. out, you know. Yeah. And because I have no animosity. I, 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 None whatsoever. And I also friends with Igor, you know. <laughs> it's just like, yeah. you know, his brother. So he was like my boy, you know. We really uh, had a lot of things in common especially with music you know yeah. hardcore like he was really he into hardcore. yeah straight so, edge straight yeah, ed- yeah. And, and and at that time he wasn't drinking or anything so it was like really had a really tight connection so there was no animosity or hate or anything and i would never talk shit about people i, I don't know mm-hmm. <laughs> you know i haven't yeah. met and so um yeah it was difficult you know a lot of people were definitely under the impression that he 
was entirely the band, you know, and that was hard for I think those guys, even Igor, you know, who yeah. who I played with for nine years, you know, in the band, and uh, just like people are really misinformed, uh, yeah. you know, and a lot of times when people see like the front person are like, oh, that person's writing everything, they're doing everything, and they kind of let it spin in that way because they weren't really those guys are like, I don't want to do the interview, you know, let him, he'll do it, you know, and so then that kind of was a problem, I think. Yeah. You know, because people weren't seeing the full representation of the band. Yeah. Um, but anyway, I mean, it was like really like challenging, you know, each yeah. album. But I, I saw the progression, you know, and I also realized there were a lot of like new fans mm -hmm. that we could capture. And that's yeah. what, you know, a lot of the people that was really focusing on, you know, yeah. I was like, this is happening now. This is new for them. This is fresh. So just stay focused in the music and trying to improve and what, being together as a band. Yeah, so wh how that first record, when it first came out, how'd that do? People it was okay. I mean, it was, I was happy with it. There were a lot of people that actually were happy with it. Now hearing back now, they're like, oh my God, that album really, you know, was a big influence. And even playing those songs now, you know, I can see people moving. And, and that's, some, that's, that's some kid's first time ever hearing Separatories with you singing. Exactly. Like 20 years ago. Yeah. The, like, generation of people. Like, exactly. Only yeah. know you in that. And that's what's the beauty of the whole thing, you know, especially with like music in general. You can have these generations of people. So there's that whole generation that was the first time seeing Sepultura at that time. And, and, uh, and it was great. You know, there were like old fans that were like, ah, I don't like it. And then there were like old fans who were like, I, I like it. I'm going to see where it's going to go. You know, here, it's like yeah. a, all these different splits. But, um, you know, we just kept really playing and, and really working and working, working, doing, you know, what we love to do, you know. And, yeah. And just getting to know each other better. So I think the music itself got better as we became more cohesive as a group. Yeah. Know? How many records have you done with them now? I, I don't even know. At the top of my head. Seven? Seven or so. Yeah. yeah. Was there any worries during the whole time in the band that they might want to do a reunion? Uh, there was always a lot of talk about that. I mean, there were people, promoters and outsiders that always wanted to make money off of that. And, and speaking with uh, their old manager, who's with Max, and, uh, and, 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 and coming to them or coming to us, you know, or to Andreas and saying, like, you know, here's a, a lot of money. If you guys do this, and it's just like absolutely not, because a, we we don't communicate with each other at all, and it's not about the money. It would be so fake and phony, and then totally. and then it would be I completely, you know, completely over, you know, yeah. like especially, you know, it's like the band would be done, you know, like where do you go from there, you know, it's just kind of like shooting yourself in the foot. I agree. And he's like, and a lot of times, and he's like, when you do those reunions, it could either be good or it can be really, really bad. You know, and and and, it's and and yeah, and a lot of times you can't go back to the past. It's never going to be the way that it was no. back then. Never, no. you know, on on any level. Yeah, even with all original, whatever, it's never going to be the same. There's always going to be people like, "Ooh, I saw him back then. It was much better." Like now, yeah. it's like, <laughs> and it's like, why did we even do this reunion? You know, it's mm -hmm. like, and also we also love to create music still, and that was the reason that we kept going with Sepultura because yeah. to make new music, to keep going a new as chapter. a band, a new chapter, and so. Um, all that talk, I was always secure because I knew the people I was playing with, they just have no communication with the old past. And yeah. they don't want to be there because they're really happy doing new music now. Yeah. And music better than, than ever. Mm -hmm. So um, 
you know, a lot of people had to get over that. The fact that, you know, people change, you know, people want to do different things. And um, it worked out well, you know, we were never really afraid of, of trying new things and, yeah. and going forward. Yeah, I love that. Mm. Um, so then you moved to Brazil and you pretty much lived there. What year did that happen? Like right right from the jump? No, 2000, like I yeah. lived in Amsterdam for two years. That's because we went there on a promo tour. Like Roadrunner would do this promo tour where you'd split up the world. Okay. And so it's like two people in the band, like Igor and I went to like Japan, Sweden, like different parts of the world. And then the other guys went to like Italy and Spain. And then we'd all meet in like Holland because Case Western was the... Oh, yeah, Case Western, that's right. Yeah, he was the owner, proprietor of Roadrunner and he's Dutch. So we'd all do interviews there together. So we'd split up the world, and it would take like a month to just do Holy promo. Shit, talking radio, magazines, photos, and um, and when I went to when we went to Amsterdam, I was like, I I want to live here. And so Go my oh my god, my roommate at the time she lives here now, and she was working for Epitaph Records. Okay, and so she had also worked at Roadrunner Records. So I was there. I was like, oh, I'm going to live here. And but then I moved to Brazil, and that was a complete you know big change you know already the people knew who i was in the band so yeah. everybody there knows sepultura and so it was really hard to be recognized like a I weird mean, a big guy with long yeah. dreads and it was like impossible not to be like there he is you know yeah. that is the singer there's no doubt about it <laughs> it's, it's like every day though wow you know and also technology was changing so people started getting fucking phones on their you know like mm-hmm. cameras on their phone yeah so it went from like Maybe a kid would have like a camera on. I'm like, oh my god, let me take a photo. Like, to and that's it. Selfies. And then it was like, you know, everywhere. Like, oh, you know, everywhere you go, you know, people just know the band, and I'm Damn. really recognizable. Yeah. And especially with the other guys, if I'm with them, then it's, you know, nonstop. But people are really positive, really yeah. friendly, and they have a lot of respect for the band. So this was cool to see. You know, yeah. it's always like positive. You know. uh you know, like positive messages all the time mm-hmm. happening, and um, became like a home. You know, it was really difficult because I had to learn Portuguese, and I was living alone, and uh, I had to. It was like back in, like I don't know, I felt like a teenager again. Like who's gonna, who's my friend, and who's not? Mm-hmm. You know, who's using me to, you know, to show off, to bring to places, and like, oh look, the singer Sepultura, I'm rolling with. Yeah, you know, here I am. Like, yeah. check me out. And uh, and there was a lot of that at first because I just didn't, I would I, d- I didn't know the vibe of people yeah. you know I was just yeah. trying to get into it so after learning the language it just changed a lot you know like my whole being there I became a lot happier um, started to meet you know legit people you know people were really honest and very cool did you like it that you loved it you I, loved lo- it I loved it you know I really was uh, became you know like such a home for me you know and people making it feel like a home. Um, it's a difficult city to live in, Sao Paulo, but for for me, I, I really felt comfortable. You know, yeah. I, you know, it's just going out and getting to know the surroundings and the people, and it, it was fantastic. You know, but I, it definitely changed so much once I started to learn the language. Yeah. yeah. Does the whole band live there? Yeah, everybody lives there. Um, Paulo has a bar now. Our bass player in in Amsterdam. Okay. And um, but. Everybody lives in in Sao Paulo, yeah, and, uh, and it's intense. You know, it's over twenty million people. 
Um, it's constant, you know, it's a concrete jungle. It There's is. like people flying to work in helicopters. You know, it's like super traffic. Mm-hmm. You know, there, there's a, I mean, a lot of negatives, but at the same time, a lot of positives. Yeah. Um, I mean, a lot of cool things about Sao Paulo, people don't realize, you know, it's like the largest Japanese population outside of Japan lives I didn't know in that. Sao Paulo. You know, they have a real mixture of people from all over Asia, Africa, Europe. Yeah. You know, it's, it's really multicultural. I didn't even know that, but yeah. Japanese, that's amazing. Oh, yeah. Um, and then what year did you become a dad? Wow, geez. That was 10 years ago. Oh, okay. And uh, my son, Nolan, he's, he's Czech, uh, born in Prague. Okay. So he's Czech-American. <clears throat> and uh, it's fantastic, you know. It's, like, so fortunate to be there, like, wow, during the whole process of yeah. him being born. It's amazing, and, uh, It's amazing, you know. It's, it's just unbelievable. And, uh, you know, that's, again... Uh, a whole learning experience, you know, being a father and oh, also yes. speaking a different language, another language added on, you know, Czech. Yeah. Um, but it, it, it's, you know, it, it changed so much, you know, my perspective on, on, on my whole life itself, you know. I was going to ask you that. Yeah, it changes everything, right? No, absolutely. You know, it's like I feel that, you know, much more of a purpose, you know, of like a lot of what I'm doing, you know, a lot is just really building for him. Yep. You know, and, and it's really good to take that pressure off myself where it's like, okay, I'd rather, you know, for my loved ones, you know, try to build something great for them, you know, that I'm out there uh, working really hard for them. Yeah, That's amazing. So so you live, you go back and forth a lot. Yeah, a lot. But now that I live in L.A., um, I, I really now have the opportunity to have him here, my son. Uh, because my ex wasn't really keen on him coming to Brazil, she was didn't feel that safe with him being there. Yeah. Even though I, most of my friends I know that have kids, you know, they live in Brazil. Yeah. And uh, and it's a wonderful place for kids. Actually, they gear. There's so much geared towards kids. You know, like yeah. entertainment and everything. And it's fantastic weather year round. She could be outside and yeah. nature and everything. But yeah. But she was like not so keen on him being there. Um, so now I'm here and this should definitely change things around a lot. Yeah. It's awesome. See, so spend more time with your kid and, and then see and then how like the lenses change when you see the world and all that shit. And oh yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. fucking like overnight it happens. You know what I mean? Like, um, do you have any, uh, you have any regrets? No. <laughs> you're like the, the last five people in the world on the podcast had no regrets. It's pretty amazing, man. Yeah, man. I, I, I definitely you know, love all the experience, you know, good and bad, you know, they're really important to go through in order Mm -hmm. to, like I said, to get to a line to, to go through a straight line, you know, it's just like, there's always going to be like those, you know, negative things that have come up, but you know, it's like, what do you make out of them? Totally. Yeah. 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 I love that. Yeah. Yeah. And I want to talk about your, um, your highway to health project you're working on now, because as people listening know that we're both vegans and traveling um, has changed ooh, ooh. has changed a lot for us since the, oh, yeah. since the early '90s till now. Like just eating and surviving on the road used to be like oh my whatever, God. like falafels. Just whatever they had on tour was really yeah, hard. Yeah, like a million falafels, like And so now with the world changing so fast, there's so many um, options of food everywhere around the world. I mean, like everywhere you go, there's a vegan option. And so you, you, you think Highway to Health yes. is just about that, like traveling musicians. Highway to Health. Eating, eating, <laughs> eating vegan food on tour. Yes, eating vegan food and, and, and the living on the road lifestyle, you know, music, you know, really showing that 
and interviewing like different friends and yep. and family and it's really not a show about pushing people and forcing people into being vegans. Not I, at all. I definitely I think it's everybody has their own pace of where they should go, you know. Agreed. Uh, and I think it's important to show like the funny aspects of it. You know, I want to bring a lot of friends who are are meat eaters, you know, and, and take them we had to Ad, places. We had Adler in the sizzle. Oh. Who's not a vegan? Stephen Adler. Oh right, yeah, yeah that's right, right, right. It was really funny. That yeah, was really, really funny. And, and and to show, you know, like the oh my god, that was hilarious. And, and then just <laughs> just to have like you know, to show those people the options that are out there, you totally. know, and really, and and show that there's tasty, it's educating people, man, absolutely, and help like healthy, tasty. Some of it's not all healthy, but it's like the reason why I say highway to health is like it's on a road to discovering. You know, I haven't learned. We haven't learned everything. Yeah. You know, we never will. It's like it's always discovering and a learning process. So, um, you know, I'm really excited about it. It's going really well. I'm with the co-host Tanya O'Callaghan. She plays bass with Steven Adler. Yep, shout out, girl. What up, girl? And she's amazing, amazing bass player. She's played yes. with many uh, talented musicians. Yes. Uh, Dee Schneider and... Like the list goes on as far as like musicians and her capabilities are beyond more respected. Uh, yes, and so we're doing it together. I, and she's from a small town in Ireland. Yep. And um and so the idea is for us to go around and and the kind of the experiences that we've had from traveling and the people that we met and chefs and doctors and you know the. Just really show this cross section of different people, yeah, and, and show like how it's really changing. And a lot of people have questions like, "How do you get so big?" You know, how like, do you get protein. How do you get that protein? It's just like <laughs> they're just going to answer those questions very easily and and break the stereotypes that exist. Totally. I, mean, I really want to show you know the, the aspects of shopping because a lot of times people are like, "I don't know what to buy." You know, if I become a vegan, I like I said, it's better just to take it day by day. You know, like start with like once a week. Then maybe twice a week, you know, find your flow, your rhythm. Yes, and, uh, and especially it's gonna be, it's gonna change your life forever. Oh yeah, and so it's 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 a permanent change. So yeah, just baby steps. People think you have to go drastically from right. overnight media to vegan. It's not the case. No, not at all. And, and and like you said, there's so many options out there now, and it's 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 really much more adventurous, I think, to be on the road, and even in rural places, you know, I've noticed a change and. Sure. I mean, one of the first episodes we're going to be shooting is in Brazil with Highway to Health, and we're going to be going there next week. Um, and it's exciting because when I first got to Brazil, it's such a meat-eating country Carbon based meat on the, the, table. the churrascaria. What's that called? We, a, a churrasco, a churrascaria, like a barbecue place. Yeah, so everywhere I would go on, on they, tour, they're like, oh, we're going to get you a salad. I'm with the rest of the bands, and like they bring out the biggest piece of the meat and slice in the fucking meat. It's so natural. This is all man. natural. This, you know, it's like blood spitting off of it. You know, it's like, oh my it's god. So, but yeah, that, it that, was intense. Yeah, it's really places. intense. So and, to go there and do that, yeah, that's huge. I mean, I, I never, when I first got there, I never imagined that they, the country would change so much, it's a very so quickly. Driven place, man. but it's it's becoming less of that. It's awesome, know, which is really awesome to see because it, it's such a big part of the culture, but. They also have so many incredible like fruits and vegetables there that it's acai bowl. Acai, acai. (laughs) I mean, things that are so unique there that the flavor and everything. It's just people are starting to realize, wow, we can really make incredible dishes with these plant-based items that are just naturally there. Yeah, only in Brazil, a lot of them, and so it's exciting, you know, like um, to see the changes are happening. I want to show that. 
<coughs> especially with like restaurants, different organizations where they're making all vegan food courts. You know, there's like Sick. serious business people. They're actually seeing the the economic side of it because you you really need to show that in order to 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 show a balance of what can happen. You know, with, mm-hmm. I mean, I think it's good to show the economic side. You know, with it, sure, um, because there is. You know, it's like a lot of times there's meat producing companies are just like, we're going to lose money. How can we make money? They can transform their entire industry around, I believe, to a plant-based industry, yeah. you know, and that's the future. You know, it it's is absolutely the is the future. And so they should really get with it, you know, now, early, you know, if they were smart. So I think a lot of places in Brazil are doing this and are at least having the options. I love you know, options. even with the delivery things, they have like, you know, instead of like uh, Uber Eats, they have that. And they also have another one and another one. But they all have so many vegan options and everything and all these places. And every time I order from those places, I always get like a note from them like, we saw his Derek Green. No way. That's so cool. (laughs) You're supporting us. Thank you so much. Like everywhere around the country, though, that we play, which is really awesome. They're like, oh, my God, I just had to come with the delivery and meet you. Like, I didn't know. Like, like weird. You know, like really... Every time almost, I get like notes like, no way, we couldn't believe it. Thank you so much, you know, supporting, you know, the awesome plant-based, you know. Do people know you're vegan in Separator? Yeah, they started to know much more now, you know, yeah. uh, and which is, it's it's really cool, you know. I, a lot of people find it hard to believe, but. Uh, Look at this big motherfucker. Yeah, they're like, he's huge. Yeah. But there's like more and more people as far as doing tours, you know, we did a tour of Creator and Millie, the singer, he's a hardcore vegan for many years. Like, awesome. And he's also, like, really into hardcore. And he's got that that mentality, like, oh, I'm not at home. I have friends come over, and they, they crash in my pad. You know, like, bands cool. come and crash out. You know, like, he's Total from that old style, school. Yeah. And it was so great to see that. And and also, like, touring with different bands, you know, if there's catering. Gotten, I mean, the catering is so incredible. So incredible vegan. now options and plant-based options they're usually gone you know first yeah out of anything and uh but it's great to see this change and, and really with highway to health we're going to really show that in, in rural parts in places you wouldn't expect it you know we want to yeah. go to places where uh people say it's impossible impossible to do that here and it, and it's not you know and uh i'm really excited about it you know it's going really well and and hopefully uh you know it will definitely reach out to as many people as possible. Yeah. What do you think about the impossible and the beyond taking over at all the fast food spots and having those options? I think it's great. You know, I mean, anything that's, you know, helpful and where it's not destroying the environment, not killing, murdering animals, Agreed. like making them suffer, I think it's a great option. Yes. You know, I, I don't know if, honestly, I think it's, it's, it's fantastic and I think it's actually tasty. Yes. Um, I just think it's something you shouldn't do every day. Yeah, it's probably <laughs> you know. 100%. I mean, I, I think it's something that uh, it's cool every now and then. Yeah, you know, and it's great. Like I said, that option. So I'm not gonna knock it. I, yeah, I mean, I, I honestly don't go to fast food places. Yep. But I think for people who do, I think it's great that they have that now, and um, I'm all for it. You know. Definitely. Yeah, we were just on tour, and I I never because I haven't been to Burger King since the '80s, and right. I was starving, <laughs> and we went and got one, and the shit was fucking great. As yeah. for a vegan version, yeah, no the mayonnaise ve- right. and a different thing that was so cool about it. Yeah, I it had to like, try it. I mean, I try everything. Instead you know, of selling really one. well, right? It's 
But I, but I see those things as not for us. I see those like a gateway drug for meat eaters. Right. I think it's more not for vegans. It's more for meat eaters to yeah, try something. It's, it's not definitely. a dry right. Boca Burger hockey puck from 1994. Right. <laughs> it's something juicy that tastes like like I couldn't. I couldn't. I haven't eaten meat since '88, so I couldn't even tell you the difference between that and right. the real one. But I'm with other guys eating meat, like Rusty. Like, I mean, are you sure this is the Beyond Burger? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a Beyond because it tastes so yeah, crazy. Yeah, I, I have that same problem too. It's just, yeah, you know. But it's definitely geared for meat eaters, and 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 that's good that they they need a, a different option. Hundred percent. I mean, there's they, never been one for them, right? And, and the it, ones that have, people when they think of vegan food, they think of like yeah. Some terrible shit. Right, right. Some dry ass shit. But it's it's incredible. I mean, in Sweden, I mean, we recorded our last album there, and there's this place called Bastard Burgers, and they had like full menu side was like all meat burgers, different types, and the other side was all vegan, in the same you know style, but with uh, Beyond Meat. But when we were there, and I was like, man, this is probably one of the best hamburgers I ever had. And then it was like a few like a week later, they're like. A sign on the front that was like we're we're out of Beyond Meat. We ran Damn. out. We sold out all of great, all of Europe. <laughs> it was Damn. just like wow. It's like really. They're like we don't know when it's going to get back, but it's coming back. They have to build up to production because it's run out because Holy it's that shit. And it was like meat eaters told me about it. They're like, oh my god, I love this hamburger here. You got to check it out. And I was like, wow. Holy you know shit. now it's funny. And you know we have like meat eaters telling me about vegan stuff. <laughs> Fucking crazy, man. It's insane. But it's really, really catching on. I mean, most of the places I even went in Sweden, it's a small town. Every place had vegan options. Even the fast food uh, place, they have their own place. It's called Max, actually. Okay. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you know, they have everything there. They have, like, four different options of vegan burgers and styles, yeah. you know, or chicken patties or whatever. Yeah. All vegan. It's unbelievable. So, so it seems like that Highway to Hell is almost like a travel guide for touring musicians who are vegan. It could be definitely, you know. And I want it to be also fun, you yeah, know, because we're going to be doing a lot of activities in certain places. When we go to Brazil, we're going to go on my friend's boat in this place called Parachi. It's beautiful area, like a lot of nature, and and also like learning experience of being in certain environments. Because we're going to go to like crazy places. I definitely want to go to Russia. And uh, Ukraine. It was hard to eat vegan there when I went there. Oh, hard. really? Yeah, it was hard. Oh. That was like 10, 12 years ago. Okay. Because uh, it's, it's changed I'm a lot. I'm sure it's happened. I mean, yeah. I got lucky a lot of times going to Russia. We've always went around the time of Easter. And they have this whole thing of like like Lent week or yeah, Lent, Lent month. Yeah, yeah. And so it's like no animal products, no Damn. dairy. And so every place prepared special menus. All the hotels had their Lent Sick. menu for very religious people. Yeah. And I was like, this is amazing. Yeah. And it was like, I was like, man, this is so good. So I got lucky a lot of times being there. But also in the Ukraine, I this time, uh, aside from Russia, I noticed that there was a lot of places popping up. And using that Happy Cow app. Yeah. Absolutely worked so well. And yeah. even there, I was like, oh my God, this place is around the corner. And go there. And I would take photos of every place I went, the food and the environment. And then I would post it. And then I would get a message from those places like, thank you so much yeah, for taking awesome, you know, great photos of this and supporting it. Like we had, you know, and all the places are just so nice. Everybody's the people so, yeah. are so amazing. You know, and happy to feed you. They're feeding you. Absolutely. You feel yeah. really good giving your money. They're like, wow, you know, this yeah. is, it's, it's fantastic. And, and man, I just felt so good on tour. Like all the places really are getting it. Except we went to places like Mongolia, Kazakhstan, Kyrgyzstan, 
you know, Central Asia became really difficult. Damn. You know, I mean. What do you have, tofu and shit? Or have anything like that? I mean, that? the first thing they were like, we have horse, we have this. And I was just Damn. like, wow, you're eating horse? They're like, yeah, man. They're like, they're nomads. Wow. And I was like, like literally nomads for real. And so it was hard. You know, like the one person who was getting the food for me was like, oh. She was like, man, this is really difficult. But she's like, you got to understand here when it's winter, there's nothing growing or anything, it's like desert, and so their lifestyle, it's like they've always eaten meat, and, and, and to live in this environment, it's impossible to survive without it, there's nothing growing here, you know, and it's just like, and I can understand uh, that point of view, but I was there when it wasn't winter, and I fortunately had options, um, but uh, I survived, you know, yeah. I was able to survive. There's also the the show, too, Breaking Stereotypes of people that, of your size that are vegan, right. for one, and the musicians that actually eat healthy because there's a stereotype still that right. musicians just get fucked up, don't take care of themselves, right. and rehab, yeah. out of shape. I mean, that, that's true. But, <laughs> but I'm saying, but there's a bunch of us who yeah, aren't. Yeah, there absolutely there's is a, a bunch. a lot of people who are really healthy. I man. mean, that really take care of themselves. And those are the ones I always admire, you know, like the stay in the game, you know, for totally. so long. You know, it's like you see people like, I see like Sting, you know, he looks in incredible shape, you know. It, even like Sammy Hagar is coming to Brazil, and he's like seventy-two, dude. He's really holy he's shit. Seventy-two, I didn't even know that. yeah. Sammy Hagar, wow. And it's just like wow, it's it's insane. You know, there's other people. You know, like Bruce Dickinson, mm-hmm. man. Have you, you ever seen Iron Maiden play like now? I he's have not all seen him, no. over the stage, like yeah. running everywhere. He's the most athletic person I've seen. It's just like insane, you Fuck. know. And I mean, and at his age, you know, yeah. it's like incredible. So it's inspiring, you know, to take care of yourself. And and actually, I, I've never liked bands where I'd see them sloppy, no. like really just unhealthy. Going through the motion. Uh, yeah, yeah. Like, no, yeah. And that energy is, you know, that body energy is very prominent you know you know on stage it has an impact Mm -hmm. you know like i was saying when i saw chromags or bad brains it was just like fuck man you know just like the energy level coming off you know like their physique and how they take care of themselves you know it's just like over the top you know it's just like wow i want to be like that do you train on tour too do you make it i try um i was doing this with our drummer loy he likes to train on tours and and so I'm, on this next tour, I'm really going to get much more into it. I know those guys in the past had a trainer come with them, uh, actually a jiu-jitsu guy. Sick. But that guy got into the whole party scene, being on tour, like, all right, I'm the rock star, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and got carried away, I heard. I, I wasn't on that tour, but uh, I mean, I, I think it's important. I like to do some type of warm-up and training before the show, but the yeah. show takes away so much energy. It's really you draining, know, it's man. like super draining, but it's good in the very beginning of the day to do something. You know, actually, I end up having more energy when I do something instead of sitting around. Are you a coffee guy? No, I don't drink coffee. Fuck, I just started like a couple weeks no! ago. And it's like, my wife told me I got to chill because I've been really yeah. jittery and spazzy. Yeah, it, it can... And I'm hanging out with all these fucking guys who all like coffee connoisseurs and they look for coffee every day. I, like I, I think the sp- taste is amazing. There's I think it amazing... tastes disgusting. <laughs> I, 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 I just like how it makes me feel. I get hyped through oh, push-ups. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I it's mean, the only drug I really ever fucking done. I, 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 can't, I can't mess with the caffeine because it gives me anxiety. Mm. And at a young age, I discovered, I was like, why do I have these anxiety attacks? I used to drink all coffee this coffee. Yeah. And then I would just notice my heart would be like crazy, and then my mind would just I'm going to chill, wandering. man. I'm going to have a heart attack. I'm going to chill. Yeah, I was just like, whoa, this is way too strong so for me. So how many years since you had coffee? Ah, uh, years. 20? Yeah. 
No, well, in Brazil, I started drinking. They'd always have it at the end of a meal, like a little coffee. And I was like, it's so Your good. big ass with a little yeah, tea Yeah, I was just like, here we go. <laughs> and I was just like, oh, no. And I started feeling like the anxiety Heart again. And then I was like, you know what? I'm, I'm, not, I'm not down with that. So now there's this root that I use. It's, I think you told me about this. Yeah, it's called. Let's tell the listeners. It's called guanana. And, and I guess Americans would be like, guarana. <laughs> I got some guarana. And it's guanana. It's like a root from the Amazon, and I get it in the powder form. Just It tastes Snort like it? dirt. No. Well, I, no. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't done that yet. You get in the powder form. It's, it's in powder form, so it's like really just natural. It's all natural, um, and it's super potent. I just have like a teaspoon, literally, with water in the morning, and okay. it lasts all day. Like okay. you're just focused, but not jittery. Okay. Um, and I use this before shows. Okay. And, and and it's it's amazing. Like it's just like this natural You swear well, by it. Yeah, I swear by it. Um I can get some from you? Yeah, I think you can get it on Amazon. And it doesn't actually. make me jittery and shit. It doesn't make me jittery because I, I, I know the exact amount that that's good for me. You drink green tea? Yes. That's a good caffeine. That's a natural caffeine. It is a natural caffeine. I don't have a problem with like people taking caffeine or myself, but I just know coffee. It's just so much that it's it drives me crazy. I'm fucking scared of myself. Like, I'm already, shit. like, a hyper person, me like, too. in my mind. So it's just like, ah. I just feel like it's the next chapter of being an adult, because I'm with Rusty, who's 55. <laughs> and so everybody's getting their coffees. Absolute and like, adult. Rusty uh, is an adult. Do you have any, do you have any daily rituals? Uh, well, yeah. I mean, I, I like you said, working out. Like, I bring, I'm going to actually show this on the Highway to Hell show, but people are always like, you must be working out, like, every day. And it's just like, absolutely not. If I do work out, I get huge, like okay. massive, and that's what I don't want to be. Um, but I take like I have these dumbbells, and I do like just training exercise, or it's just like one exercise after another. Yeah. So it's just like back to back, back to back, back to back, and and, and time it. And uh, it's like intervals. It's almost like CrossFit. Yeah. Okay. And and I can do this in my room. You know, it's just like, but I do it every day, and and I feel great from doing it. But uh. I started to get into running again. Nice. And 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 that was really difficult because I'm a heavy guy. Yeah, you're And a big so for dude. my knees, it was always like really bad. So I was taking it slow and uh and not doing I was doing it every day when I was in the studio and it was a little bit too much. Like my knees were like, What are you doing, man? Yeah. Like, and uh I guess it really helps like to run on like those tracks that foam tracks yeah. or whatever, but also uh, with knee brace type stuff, but not every day, like every other day was good. How's your push up game? Push-ups are all right. You know, I'm not... I I can do... God knows how, how many. What about pull-ups? Pull-ups are the worst pull-ups for me. Suck, Always man. the worst. Like I got a bar here, though. I, I start off with five. Now I can do like 15 now. That's a, that's pretty that's, good. That's very good. Because every day I try to bang I like, like I said, I have a, like heavy body weight. So like yeah. for me to do pull-ups and I have long arms. Yeah. And this is... Uh, always been the worst even in wrestling when i was in top 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 shape yeah. it was just like really hard but i'm more of like you know the wheel thing that yeah the wheel put, for abs yeah and people are like it's so bad for your back i mean if your back is if you're using your back yeah it's to it's balance not, so your knees and move forward the right thing, yeah that i can do like i do those all day yeah. you know like i i love those but uh you know, I mean for me i just like to stay active especially on tour like if you're sitting around too much then it then I'm not going to have the exact energy for a show. But I feel like being vegan gives you an upper hand of energy. Absolutely. For sure. I mean, those guys are usually eating vegan in my band before the show. A Your lot band's of times, vegan too. No, they aren't. 
But they're eating it before a show because it's not as heavy. Uh, they have, you know, a lot so, more so energy. So nobody else is vegan in Separatore. Nobody else. You didn't inspire any of those motherfuckers yet. Not yet, but they've done, like, days. They, they, they eat your they, food. They like yeah, it. Yeah, they love it. They love it. I mean, they've, I've cooked for them, you know, like, in the studio when we're there. We have, like, a kitchen. Is it and a they cultural all, thing for them because they're from there and it's like a... Yeah, they, they, they there I mean, they were raised there and they love, they love it. And, uh, you know, but there's... It's slowly coming around, whether they like it or not. Yeah. Because as you get older, everyone's doctor is like, "You need to eat more fiber. You need to have more let like salad, more you greens know, and shit. Stay away that. from the meat. You know, that's all they're saying. I'm like, look, it's it's eventual. It's gonna happen. So yeah, but they're definitely open minded. They always try. Always, awesome. you know, they're always down to try it. They have no argument. Like, ah, oh, we went to like vegan places, and they're like loving it. Yeah, you know, they're like, oh, this is fantastic, and so it's happened gradually, and I think they're some of their wives are pushing like you need to eat healthier. You know, it's you always the that, wife, man. Yeah. Inspires, man. Oh it's yeah, that change absolutely. But what, um, what about your dreads? When did you cut those off? Oh god, that was and how many years you have them for? I had them for like twenty seven years. Damn. So it was like I got so tired of it. It was like just washed them too so heavy and it shit. was like I was after I cut. I was like, why did I even have these? <laughs> did, they get, did they get pretty long though? Oh, I mean, it, it was like to my ass. It was like really Holy heavy, shit. really hot, really irritating. Like especially all the, in Brazil. Especially in Brazil. Like I'd always have to wear my hair up just because it was way too hot to let down. And I was like, what's the point of even having this? Like if it's just so annoying. After shows, like sweating, traveling, it's just, it became like a nuisance. And I just felt so relieved. I kept dreaming about like just shaving my head. Like I just want to have that feeling again of like you know like on my pillow you know like sleeping well, you like taking it like yeah wet hair and wet, sleeping yeah, yeah. Oh, fucking horrible <laughs> so did you, did you save your dreads at all now i did for my son like i they're like at his place now like yeah. in the bag I, I i he helped me cut them yeah Fuck. he was just like just like what are we doing <laughs> was it was it was a weird moment cutting them off is like a no because it'd been so long and i've been for debating it for like years, I was like, I want to do it, want to do it. People are like, no, dude, bro, keep it. it looks so badass. You can't like headbang no more. I'm gonna headbang, bro. The photos aren't gonna be as cool. <laughs> <laughs> it's, like, it's like, fuck the photos, man. It's like, I need to shave my head. And yeah. I was like, and it, it's perfect timing. Like, I also wanted to change for like an album. I was like, yeah, okay, whole new up. everything. Yeah. But I feel fantastic with the shave. Thank God. You probably feel lighter too. Oh my too. God. It's, I, I, I love it. <laughs> um, so a couple of months ago, you posted some pictures, like like I think there's some dogs, and it was like a beat down, like maybe like a, a Ferris wheel or a fucking playground. Yeah. So I didn't know nothing about it, and I saw Chernobyl on there, and I knew nothing about. It. I don't know if really? that, I don't know if that series was out yet. Oh, okay, no, it wasn't. It wasn't out yet, and I as soon as I got back to L.A., it was coming out. Yeah, so it's so it's a show on HBO. It's a true story, and you went and visited this place that was totally toxic. and And if you could break it down for the listeners who don't know about Chernobyl, because it's an amazing series on HBO that I watched. It's It's totally fucked. So break it down a little bit. All right, so Chernobyl, I knew about when I was in. It was in the '80s, so I was in elementary school. And uh, I remember when it happened because it was scary. Because all we knew in the U.S. was that there was there's been an accident, and and it happened in USSR and 
and we're not getting any information okay. because they're not giving any information yeah. out. That was the scariest thing about it. So they started like, you know, imagining what could happen. So the, of course, you know, in the U.S., they're like, so this is we're going to give you a game plan of what we think probably happened. Yeah. Basically, the reactor blew. Even though they're saying that it didn't, it's spreading all over Europe right now, basically infecting everything. Basically, it's working its way into the center core of the earth. If they don't stop it, then it will destroy all life as we know it. Fuck. And so then, I, I mean, this was like, this is the worst scenario and it could be happening right now. And I was yeah. like, oh my God, like, it was really, really insane. And, and people weren't eating uh, anything across Europe, you know, yeah. anything in the garden or anything like that. But it was it was intense. So they have this tour. Uh, the promoter was like, "Hey, you want to go to Chernobyl? We have a day off. You can we can go there." Have you been interested your whole life since you heard about it? I, I've been interested, but I didn't think it was possible yeah. to actually go there because yeah. it's the most polluted place on the earth, um, in the history of the earth. And so I was like, I, I was like, I thought he was joking. I was like, Are you serious? We can do. It. He's like, No, we can go. I was like, Is it really? I was like, Is it safe? Because this is insane. Yeah. And he was like, No, it, it's safe. It's safe. You're only going for like. Two hours, three hours, so you're you're gonna be fine. Yeah. So I was like, you know what, I gotta go. I can't miss this opportunity. So got up really early and I went with a bunch of people from the crew, and uh, and and they pull you in. And there's a lot of like checkpoints, at least three different checkpoints. You have to register everything online before you go there, all your yeah. information, and then they give you like these mini uh, radiation things to put around your neck. Each person has, and then they give you a Geiger counter, and you go with a guide, and um, and they check everything. You know, they go through every number of like data that you have, and if anything's wrong, then you have to go and do everything all over again. The process, Fuck. and it's all military as far as like guarding everything. Um, the only people that are in there are scientists and engineers that are working there consistently yeah. because the problem is still continuing; it's still burning, still, yeah, still. Um, and so they haven't found a, a way to, to stop it. How many years has it been burning for? Since it started. Holy! Why can they get rid of? The, how can they stop it? They don't know. They 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 haven't come up with a way. It's that fucked up. Holy! Shit. So basically, uh, there were all these these dogs started coming out like at the checkpoints. You know, we we're standing there, and I was like, oh shit! And they're like, do not touch the dogs because there's certain rules. The radioactive like, and yeah, shit. Yeah, you can't go there with shorts. You have to have pants. Um, you can't touch anything, plant life, rocks, dogs, anything. You can't feed them. Um, you can't take anything with you. Um, and so they're shit. just like, and you have to stay on the path that they, they tell you. Were you, you know? nervous? Yeah, I was nervous because, I mean, it was just like, it looked like a zombie town. Like a movie and shit, yeah. yeah. it was just like sets where just shit was just left. Like people just Damn. left. You know, and so it was like driving through and there are certain areas that are more toxic than others. So... You know, you go by this one place, it's called the Red Forest, and it's highly, uh, it, it's, I mean, the Geiger counter is going crazy, you know, it's super radioactive, mm -hmm. still, like more than, it's just like going crazy, and the forest is just like red and like weird color, the Holy trees, fuck. and, uh, but the dogs and everything are just so sweet, you know, that are walking around, and they're contaminated, um, some of them aren't, but most of them are, yeah. Slightly camp and and they're just been there and they feed them, um you know they have like a whole procedure of doing that yeah 
but they're there and they, you know, they just need affection. You know, they're just kind of like wandering around. And they can't get them. Can't no, get it. Not really. I think they do there. I'm sure the people working there put, put that, yeah. yeah, have like a relationship with them. But um, it's it's intense because you, you go to like the schools and everything that are happening. You just see how they left everything there and and just gas mask everywhere and, and just like mayhem. It's you still know? burning. It, That's crazy, man. Yeah, it's still still going what, underneath on. or something? underneath. Yeah. So they put this thing. It's called sarcophagus, uh, sarcophago on top of it, uh, the reactor. Because they actually, I went to reactor four where it actually happened, and you can stand. I was like standing there, like holy, this is where it all went down. And um, and what they did was they built it and they pushed it, you know they didn't want to build around it in case anything would happen, and then they pushed it on top of it so it's covering the reactor. There's a hole there, and they call it like the elephant's foot. It's just like a this huge gnarly hole looks like a massive elephant just went through, Holy and it's just shit. like kind of like burning through there, and they and they try to underneath they tried to put like some shield underneath to protect. But it's all being eroded and and, and, and rotting away, and Fuck. also the shield itself is already has cracks in it, and the radiation is already seeping is that out. The longest going fire in history. <laughs> I mean, it, it's going to go on until they figure out some way of like stopping it from burning. But it's it's like it's and it's for what real. What year did it start burning again? It was eighty five. So is there anything else burning 80? in the whole planet since eighty five? I, I never heard of that, man. That's fucking insane. It, it's insane. Like it's they have to keep. You know, blocking it. You know, and 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 they don't. The thing is, the Russia just never put any money into that. They, it was pretty much the end of communism by then. Like yeah. that was like the, you know, like that's it. You know, yeah. you put a pen in it. It's over. And uh, after that, and then they just pretty much picked up everything, all the machinery, everything, and left yeah. all those places that they were. Yeah. And they didn't put any money into like the repair or anything. That's yeah. all coming from the European Union and people trying to help save the world, pretty much. Yeah. It's not only about there. And, and it's the Ukraine, you know. And then so it's really, they don't have a money to repair any of that stuff. So it's all yeah. coming from international relief. So people don't live there. They go there and they do no. testing during the day. That's there are like a few people living there. They're like, I'm never leaving. You know, like. Holy. And like, what do they do? There's like no stories. There's no nothing. I mean, they're going to be gone soon. I mean, there's, yeah, there's nothing there. Like how they survive. They, they have like a lot of problems with like the soldiers getting really drunk there because they're just there alone. Damn. And they have nothing to do. And I'm just like, so what happens? Like sometimes they can be real assholes and. I was like, all right. That's so, a crazy job. Yeah, I guess we'll stand there all day and crazy job. And Chernobyl. And, like, and they're bitter. And so you have like a two week period that you you stay there as a worker and then you have to leave for I think, I don't know, a couple more weeks to be away, and then you can come back. So it's like on, off. So you're not getting fucking I mean, contaminated. Overly contaminated. Because I mean radiation exists in everywhere, you know, especially in big cities, LA, yeah. New York. It's just the amount that you're getting. Um, it's the same there. They 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 constantly have to be uh, uh, checked. Yeah. Uh, and and so the one guy swears he's like I'm I'm fine I'm okay you know. It's crazy man. But it's insane you know you do the whole tour you see everything that that, that was left behind uh, you see the reactor um, and then when you leave you know they they check you you know how much radiation you took in and and everything like that and. Fuck. But um, they have like a whole gift shop, you know, like trailer type thing. Really? Um, yeah, I was just like, whoa, that's pretty cool. <laughs> a gift shop. Yeah, a gift shop. And what do you get? Like, what is it? I mean, I thought you. Were, I was like, 
I thought they'd have like gas masks. I survived from Noble. Yeah, like yeah, like I have one shirt. It's like you know the money goes towards like you know the research there and everything. But uh, I hope so. And uh, <laughs> but uh, it's it's intense, man. It's Is like the really air weird there. The air. Yeah, I mean, it's like really. I mean, when we were there, it was like really misty and foggy. It was like, oh, this doesn't look good, you know. But I mean, they get some eye goggles. Or yeah, some shit? I mean, it was really like, oh my god, this is just. Uh, uh, I mean, it's a total disaster. It's like a know? zombies attacked it or something. Yeah, I mean, you, it becomes very serious when you just when you you're think? there enough time. You're like, wow, wow, you know, this is. Who went with you there? Uh, a bunch of the crew. Cool. Yeah. The rest of the band's like, yeah, I'm good. Yeah, they were they were good, and also I think Andreas, my guitarist, had like a guitar clinic, so he could oh, go. Okay. But uh, I mean, he wanted to go, but uh, I mean, that was the most eye-opening experience, you know, like because just like on the, if you watch the show, you know, they talk about the workers, and and that was the hardest part is like hearing about the firemen that had no idea what they were going going into, down in there, yeah, and they did it, you they know, they're like you're like we're gonna do. Our job, you know, I, I was know. just, they were like total heroes. Totally. You know, and then they're, oh, it's just so sad, you know, and those guys were just like, they had, they didn't have the technology to even move like mm-hmm. the ship back in, you know, the graphite that was out, yeah. highly radioactive. And that really happened. Like those people are like, okay, you have six seconds to move it, like move it and come back. That was you know, crazy. All those people are dead now. Yeah. You know, they gave their lives to like, I mean, it's unbelievable, you know, like the, yeah. The will of the Russian people to really resolve the problem. I mean, it was like Ukrainian people a lot, you know, that were there. Yeah. So it's intense, you know. It's like really becomes, you know, a little depressing afterwards. I was like, oh my God, you know. At first I went in like, this is going to be crazy. See some radioactive bears and shit. And, and then, <laughs> then the guy was just like, yeah, that's, everybody makes these jokes, but mm, it's not so funny. You know, it's cool it's to like, see part of history like that. It's yeah, fucking insane. Absolutely, man. people should watch that show for sure. Oh yeah, it's like that. I was really shocked. Came I came home and I watched it. And I was like, wow, yes, that's true. And yes, you were just that's there. True. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, yeah, that guy talked about that. Yes, that's totally true. Like, holy yes. shit, insane, I, insane. Well, now for some positivity. Um, <laughs> what, what are your top five inspirations? What would be your top five artists or bands? You think? Uh, it's a hard one, but it's pretty tough. I can figure out the two hardcore bands in my head you're going to pick. I'm not going to say it. They have to be hardcore bands? No. <laughs> not at all, but top five bands, you think? Inspirational uh, bands. Inspirational for me, top five or people in general, like musically, would definitely be, uh, let's see, HR. I knew it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's going to have to be John. I knew it. Yeah. <laughs> I knew it was bad, but it's But then, it gets, and then we're going to get into a little more like Nina Simone. Sick. I'm a huge Nina Simone. My wife fan. loves her too, man. Um, Legend. Jeff Buckley. God, amazing voice. And you know the drummer too. Yeah. And I know my John's <laughs> at elementary school together. Um, oh, God, Freddie Mercury. Sick. Yeah. Yeah, that's five right there. That's pretty. Di- Jeff this, Buckley, I'm Freddie just... Mercury, John Joseph, HR. It's four. Yeah. Oh, okay. And then. Uh, what about hip hop, motherfucker? No. Oh, yeah. Jeez. I know it's going to be too. Do you? Yeah, I do. I'm going to write it down. Oh, my God. I don't even, in my head, I'm like, there's so many. Just think real, just think, man. I'm just going to see if I'm right. Mm. In the the 80s, 90s, I know you fucked with them. Chuck D. Fucking Chuck D. (laughs) Yo. Yo. Yes. Holy shit. I fucking knew it. He was. Ladies and gentlemen, I wrote this on a piece of paper and I put it up upside down. Unbelievable. Yeah. He always cuts through like a razor, you know, like it was. That was sick, you know, right? You got to get Chuck D here, man. 
I loved he's on my list. And Flavor too. Yeah. And this is a question. What about KRS One? He's on my list too. Oh man. my god. Um, this is on my list too, and I already know the answer to it. Are you an optimist or a pessimist? But I already know the answer to that. Optimist, yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> you've, you've always, every time I see you're smiling, you're always upbeat, you're always happy about life, you always appreciate everything you've, you've done, all that stuff, you know? So I feel like... Oh, I, tr- I try, man. I, I especially really... in this world, it's really hard. Yeah, it, it, it is. It is. But there's a lot of good things, you know? It's just, I think people just need to see more of that, you know? Yeah. It's just like so overwhelmed with like all the negative, negative stuff that's just like a, a wave that's always constantly mm-hmm. being pushed, you know? Yeah. I think it's just like so many great things that people are doing and 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 surrounding yourself with that is just like the yeah. best thing that's possible to do, you know. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I feel like you've always been like that. Um and do you feel like everything you learned as like growing up in punk rocket scene that you take that in your adult life oh, and yeah. the music you play and being a father, all that all a lot of those ethics. Absolutely. And all that shit. I think it has the biggest inspiration for anything that I do now. It always will be a part of me. Um, just from meeting people in general uh, around the world, you know, it's just something that's it's always stayed true. Yeah, you know, um, it's always been in my heart and and something I truly believe. You know that. Yeah. You know, it's it's very real. You know. And also, what, what was your favorite skateboard trick? Oh my god! What was your best trick? Ooh. <laughs> or favorite I, deck? Or favorite uh, skater? Skate. I mean, my first one of my first decks was John Luciera. Sick. Yeah, I, I was like, oh my god, that was amazing. I had a Natus, Natus Capus. Yes. And uh, God, there's so. I mean, did you I, skate I, ramps or the street? I had a half pipe in my oh, backyard. Fuck. How big? Mini ramp or real? Mini, ramp? mini, mini half. Sick. And it was amazing. I mean, it was actually put together with like stolen wood. I'm not proud about that. <laughs> there were like certain houses being it's all built. Good. In our neighbor in the neighborhood, and I was like, "Oh my god, this is sitting there." And I had a friend who was like, "I can build these ramps. Like, we just have to go there. We just need certain Damn. pieces of wood." And uh, but most of it we bought. And then uh, <laughs> <laughs> we were young. We were. I didn't you know, swear, but I stole. Yeah, I, I did. That was like the only thing. That was so punk, though, to take wood from like. Bil- yeah, I was like those like places. That. You know, they're gentrifying the street. No, I mean I was back, living. That wasn't a word back yeah, then. Yeah, it was. I was like already in a suburb. Was well, like, you see that in the, no the, the Bones Brigade videos. You see it in the escape videos. Yeah. Extra where they steal it for the half pipe. Yeah, take sheets I mean of that was a big influence. I was like, yeah, we can do it. Yeah, I mean, in the end, you know, it all came back with. The, my neighbors are just like not having it. They're like, it's so noisy, and they didn't have a building permit. Well, I was well, like, damn, uh, yeah. And I was like, what? What kind of tricks were you doing in half pipe? Um, you know, grind, slide. Uh, I attempting, you know, ollie kickflip, but that's that's not happening. I yeah. Never what about really... airs and hand plants or anything like that? Or hand plants, no. But airs, yes. But man, I, I always love. Uh, Alley kickflip, you know, yeah. just the basic one of the first things that I learned. I was like, oh you did that, God. yeah, yeah. So street skating too. Yeah, was I was more. really, really into street skating like every day. But ramps, we had such really good skaters, and believe it or not, in Cleveland, no. yeah, and uh, and in Brazil, going there was just like, whoa, man. There's some serious skaters. There are, man. A lot of pros oh, from South America man. too. Yeah, incredible, incredible. But I love it. I mean, I, I think skating is so healthy and, and so it's such an incredible sport. Yeah. I love seeing these movies they have nowadays, you know, like, oh, yeah. you know, all about the lifestyle a little bit. And I'm like, wow, that's cool to see that. I never mm-hmm. imagined seeing like an actual movie where people were taking it seriously. Yeah. You know? I mean, it's in Olympics now, skateboarding, right. all that. Fucking Tony Hawk still. 
Like all these guys are skating that shit for fun, making those funny videos. It turned out to be like a career and a profession. Right. For us, like you said, people are like, why is he on the skateboard? Why is he fucking on a bicycle? Like mm. that skateboard was such a powerful tool. Like, were you ever into BMX? Not really, man. No, 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 no I wasn't. Never messed with that. But for but that skateboard was like almost like your friend, like in school. Like that was you, you could do your tricks. You'd stay yeah, all day yeah. learning, trying to practice the same trick. I mean, it was like hours and hours of like staying out, like really late and finding spots and just. I mean. Great times, listening to music and yeah. skating. I mean, it was so inspirational. Like, music and skating were hand in hand. You know, I was really big fan totally. of, you know, of like, I was All just, the soundtracks. Yeah. Those, those videos, <laughs> right. You could get all those bands. You could skate to skate rock tapes. I was, like, really into, like, Faction, you Faction know. Faction was sick. Shout out to Steve Caballero. Yeah. JFA, oh, Mick yeah, Rad. Oh, yeah. Like, big boys. Jesus. I mean, all those were just like so inspirational. Skate rock skating. tapes, man. Yes, yes. And then it's, and it's crazy. Then it kind of changed into mostly hip hop now. I talked yeah, about that Muska. Yeah, that's true. Soundtracks of hip hop now for skateboard but videos. But it totally makes sense. And, and I, I hear a lot of that also with like surfers because in Brazil, yeah. I start to meet a lot of surfers and they love, you know, that, that hip hop soundtrack as well. Yeah, which is dope. Because there weren't there weren't really Afri- weren't that many African American skateboarders growing up. It was Steve Stedham. Steve Stedham with the dreads. Yes, and, um, um, Chuck Trace. Chuck Trace. Um, Sean Sheffy from Shut in New York. Right. That's all I really knew back like the then. Old, old, yeah, yeah. But Steve Stedham with the dreads. He was yeah. fucking powerful. He was like, man. Yeah, I mean, it was like such a big inspiration. Like that guy was like, oh, he's got dreads. He skates. I was like, yeah, like I can identify with this guy. And, and then I think it was later on with like. Like in the skate videos, and also like Pharrell and Lil Wayne, they kind of crossed all the genres together. I remember they started right. skateboarding and bringing that into hip hop culture. Right. It's it's interesting. Yeah, yeah, I never imagined that they would cross paths like that, you know. But yeah, back then, you yeah, know what I mean? Like yeah. it was mostly just punk rock. That was like something aggressive to skate to. Oh, um, man. Well, I want to thank you for um, everything you contributed to music, our friendship. I've been knowing for almost 30 years, probably. Not maybe 25 years. Right. But like, <laughs> I'm so proud of everything you've been through uh, with your band. Thanks, and like, when I first heard you in that band, I was fucking so psyched for you. Um, it's just cool to, like, to, be, to be able to like, not only like, fill somebody's shoes who's been in the band for a long time and they already have a, a legacy already, and then be, create another legacy for another 20 years. Right. Like it's so it's amazing, man. It's yeah, it's been it's been an uh, incredible adventure, you know. I never imagined yeah. it, you know. It was definitely I think a lot of things happen uh, just for a result of you know my life is like okay, like I said, like wanting to play in a band, being into hardcore, you know, doing the whole thing like driving bands, sleeping on people's like floors and all that. It's all connected to, to but but also believing in yourself and taking a chance and leaving your family yeah, and going yeah. to New York with really no job and just a couple right. of friends and just kind of winging it. Like I know I know I want to do something in music, so I'm going to go to fucking New York. Right. And that's exactly when I was 18, I moved to New York. Like I said, <laughs> I said I'm going to do something in music. I'm pen pals with token entry. I'm going to go there and see what happens, and then. Pen Here pals we are. are token entry. So right, let us Murphy's law. It's insane. <laughs> you have that. I was. You, had, you were yeah. the token entry. And that's what. That's what got us both to New York. And then look what happened. It's fucking it's, resistance and like being po- being focused and believing in shit. Absolutely, you know I mean? like man. it's really cool. Yeah, I think we cover a lot. That's right, we talked right. for two hours. Awesome. Wow. Awesome. Really? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is your life, Derek <laughs> Green. Um, but I think we cover a lot of shit. Yeah, man. man. Thanks for having me on the on the program, man. I, I really. Love a lot of the people that you have on. So thank you, man. It's, it's like an honor. Where can people awesome. find? Where can people find you on social media? Anything you want to talk about? that's coming up, or um, yeah, just keep an eye out for Highway to Health. Yes, um, we're going to be filming in LA. Hopefully, you'll be a part of that. I, I would love you to. You have to be. 
Um, and that's on Instagram, Highway to Health? Yeah, Highway to Health. And then your Instagram is Derek Green Official? Derek Green Official, I believe it is. I don't even remember. And what's in the future for Sepatora right now? Right now we have a new album that's coming out in February. Perfect. So it's great. Like We're going to start touring all next year. Um, the name of the album is called Quadra. It's Portuguese. It means like the playing field that they that they use is called the Quadra. Okay. And um, it's 12 songs. Um, we have one song that's going to be a single coming out soon. It's called Isolation. Awesome. Um, it's on Nuclear Blast. It's it's a banger. It's really <laughs> it's really epic epic album. We we recorded in Sweden with the producer Jens Bogren. Um, it, it's it's epic. I mean, there's a lot going on there. Dope. I mean, a lot of new things that we, we we're really pushing ourselves. Um, but definitely don't sleep on it. So next year it's going to be a lot of touring. I love that. I love that you're making new music and not just playing like all the other songs. Yeah. Is it weird playing the other songs from? Uh, is it weird playing songs from the records that you loved as a kid? And now you're singing in that band. Is that <laughs> right? That it was that strange be, at first. It like was at, at first. It was a little uh, a little weird, the, but now it, remain, it, sorry. It, it really <laughs> it really so from beneath the streets. From beneath the streets, yo. <laughs> no, from beneath the remains. Is it those songs? Yeah. <laughs> uh, those songs because I wasn't familiar are really fun to play. Um, it's it's you know really earlier stuff. It's really a lot of fun to play. Yeah. Um, but it's much more challenging playing new songs. Yeah. It always is. I mean, it's really getting into the rhythm of the, you don't know if it's going to hit well with the people in the audience. I hate playing new songs to put them in this set. <laughs> but we forced ourselves to do this on the last tour, and we did six new songs. Damn. And, and that's a lot. Um, and, and it worked out really well because people would come up and are like, thank you. Because a lot of times fans have a new album, and they don't play the new I songs. Know, man. We're, we're, oh, I and did fans that are like, what the hell, man? Like... You just made we this. We did that you a couple hear. times. You use your voice, and we stopped. Let's just right. get back on it, man. But it, it was something that it took years for us to, to you know, like it's like, man, nah, we should do more. And then this time we really forced it. We're like, let's do it, and it worked really well with the old songs. Yeah, and, and people appreciate it, you know, especially uh, people who just bought the album. They want to hear yeah. it live, and and it and it made the set exciting for us. Yeah, a challenge, you know. It's yeah. like, okay, I, I want to make it better. I want to make it better with yeah. this new song. It's hard to do, but so. We, we'll be practicing a lot of the new songs to play because I think they'll go very well again with the old songs. That's awesome. Yeah. And last and last but not least, you want to say anything in Portuguese to the fans? E aí, galera, que Derek Green do Sepultura é nós na fita, mano. Falou. Whatever that means, that was awesome. You do that really well. Thank you very much. I've been told that I have a very good uh, Sao Paulo accent, somebody from Sao Paulo at times, especially swearing. Shout out, to, <laughs> shout out to Brazil. We got lots of great. H Tour has a really wonderful oh, yeah. fam out there. So I, lo I love going to South America. They, lo they love the hardcore there. Very passionate, loving, Extremely. loving fans over there. They really oh, yeah. appreciate you a lot, man. So absolutely, South America, Brazil. I mean, amazing places to play. You know, yeah. the passion is always there. It is. All right, thanks for listening, everybody. This was Derek Green. Right on, right on. Peace, y'all. Hey guys, thanks for listening. Um, please rate, review, uh, subscribe. If you haven't subscribed yet to this podcast, please do that. And whatever platform you are listening to this on, I'm glad you found me. You can rate me and review me on there also. So thank you guys sincerely for the support. I cannot wait for you guys to hear the next one.